This is Alexander Darwin McAllen. You're listening to Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Yo. It's a conversational podcast where we ramble about wrestling and Frasier and all oh, other kinds of shit. And sometimes we rant about shit. And some, this is officially at the start of our third year as a podcast. Yep. After we celebrated our 100th episode slash second year anniversary. And this, Scott, is when we have the intervention. I hope you're prepared for it. Me? I'm not the one who needs an intervention. <laughs> I need no intervention. It'll never work. This is our third year, and we're starting off our third year looking at the last three episodes of, of season, season three. three of Frasier. Yes. So three, three, three. It's weird. It's t- totally intentional, not a weird coincidence. Not at all. We have Frasier Loves Roz. Mm-hmm. We have the Focus Group. And we have You Can Go you Home can Again. Go Home Again. Mm-hmm. But we'll come to those in a bit, and we'll be talking about season three as a whole. Because we did this with, was it two or three episodes at the end of season two? I'm unsure, with, but we did do something we similar. Did, we did do multiple episodes... So, you know, we're doing it again. But Paul, I thought, I'll do some Frasier. There may be one or two be notable bits about wrestling, not yeah. much really to talk about, maybe Phil Gear, and then nothing really to notable. And then WWE had to go and have that show, WWE Backstage, where at the end they bring out CM Punk. Yeah, yeah. I was quite surprised by that one. I know, I woke up to all this talk about. CM Punk is back and we're like, wait, what? Obviously, Phil has nothing mm-hmm. left to do. Yeah, he's technically, like, we'll get out of the way the whole argument's going on. Oh, but he's technically employed by Fox because WWE Backstage is on FS1. It's, they're trying to present it as this weird, like, sports analyst show yeah, before it wrestling. Seem, it seems a tad gay. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Well, like, and I, I know we live in a culture now where if I say something's a tad gay, I may be. I may be tarred and feathered and run through the streets, you know what I mean? But yeah, you know what? It's a tad gay. But, and Fox apparently were very high on, on getting punk. And a bit high, were they? No, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but they really wanted to have punk in for this show because they thought he's the kind of guy they want because punk admitted like, that he did a test for an audition and like, look, I'm one of these people like, I don't want to just come in and say, oh, look how great this was. Like, if it's bad, I want to be able to say that sucked. Yeah. And I think Fox liked the idea of having him come in as basically the contrarian opinion. Yeah, the, the sort of colour commentator type analyst. Yeah, because yeah, like, that's a bit Paul Heyman, who's obviously a big supporter of Punk, Punk uh, Heyman said when he was brought on for creative back in like the early 2000s. Yeah. That was his role, like, be the contrarian opinion, even if you don't agree with it, just show me the other side of it. And... So, is he, just, is he just coming in mostly to talk? He's not coming in in any kind of, like, performing role? No, at the moment, no, he's just going to be as it seems, an analyst on FS1 for WWE Backstage. Like, he comes out, like, yeah. he comes out to call a personality. He walked in the camera and went, just when you think they've got the answers, I changed the culture. I'll see you here next week. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, you as a wrestling fan, me as a wrestling fan, obviously, right? Do you see it leading to anything, like him returning to the ring or anything of that ilk? It depends on what he wants, because... Yeah. Technically, while he's employed by Fox, we don't know what he's going to do in the world of MMA because he's had his fights. He's been shit in both of them. And then he went to this weird, uh, he's doing, I think, a commentary or analyst sort of role. 
for some MMA promotion. It wasn't uh, yeah. MUSC, it was some smaller league uh, promotion. And he's he done seems a few quite happy. comics for Marvel oh, or he, DC. Yeah, he's been doing some acting. Well, recently he got he's getting good reviews for this uh, indie horror film. He just, yeah. he just came out of the girl on the third floor where he's trying to fix up this old house that's turns out to be haunted, obviously. Ah, so it's sort of run of the mill horror yeah. shitling. Yeah, but he's like getting really good like reviews as like the lead guy in the film. Is he the protagonist or antagonist? Protagonist. Uh, yeah. protagonist. Uh-huh. Right. So yeah, he's he's doing other things to say, so he can do whatever like outside project. So if he wants to go back and have another fight, I don't think he will. But if he wants yeah. to, he could. If he wanted to, it could it could be. It, I mean, if he does, if he does take a step back into the ring again, it could be like some kind of marquee match or something. Maybe mm-hmm. he's like maybe like he'd bill it as some unfinished business. Or... Yeah, I don't think it'll be around for because like a lot of people online who do podcasts like us or who do like wrestling YouTube channels or can like, report news and that they're all slightly annoyed by it going like. Maybe he can't use clickbait saying, oh, but Punk said that he might be slightly yeah, yeah. Like, what are we going to do now? Now we, need to, now we need to just fill our videos with Punk may or may not be getting an in-ring return. No, like, we've always been gittering on about, like, see, we, well, the minute that tiny rumour came out that maybe mm-hmm. Edge was cleared to fight again. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll hark on about that crap. Maybe. Like, so I don't think it'll be a while before he comes back, like, I wouldn't say, like, he's not going to be, like, Survivor Series, definitely, like, I think that a push, maybe this year's WrestleMania, but even that's a long shot. See, I would, I would go further on that, I would say, maybe he would do, like, you know, like, we always have a surprise entrant in a rumble? Nah, I don't. Maybe he might do a rumble? I don't, I don't think so. I think if he was going to do a rumble, it would Maybe be lead to an angle like be eliminated by someone or him eliminate someone, and then that person goes back and attacks him because he and that person are going to fight at the yeah at, the, at WrestleMania. But so I, mean, I doubt they're going to do that. What I mean is, if we were going to like try and feed him back into active ring competition, yeah, some kind of angle stemming from a Rumble appearance might be the best way to do it. Uh, well, so this is all up to him because he seemed to be very dejected from wrestling for especially with the whole lawsuit and shit like that, and then that caused friction between him and Colt Cabana. Yeah. He seems like to have an interest enough to come back and do this role because when he comes out, he looks very enthusiastic. He looks excited to do this. Yeah. So I'm like, st- I've got something to do. Yeah. Like so, hopefully, this he can slowly but surely maybe get his his passion for wrestling back, and if he yeah. feels up to it. But I'm not an expert, so on or on how CM Punk feels. So like, yeah. Unlike Fraser, unlike Fraser Payne, I'm not a psychiatrist, <laughs> but like, I would I would say roughly, I'd say. It's going to be at least a year until we see CM Punk back and or see them start to build towards yeah. CM Punk. Because using backstage, remember how Talking Smack, how great that was and the whole Brian-Miz rivalry kind of started from the promo yeah, that Miz got yeah. Brian. I think they could do a similar thing that somebody comes on as a guest, they have a bit of back and forth with Punk that leads to it. Because like, they're using that in some YouTube show they've got now called The Bump, but they're trying to use that as get eyes on that and try and break their own news so like yeah. using that as a platform like so like even, even though Tom's Mike was only a few episodes in when that whole uh, Brian thing started mm. that got every, that clip of it went all the way and everyone was tuning into Tom's Mike and then people whenever people came on like well people are going to speak their minds yeah. probably like Brian yeah. was always taking shots like he joked about the Smackdown fifth he used to think back in the day wow Smackdown's really in the fifth thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Scott, on a slightly off topic, you you today have sampled both the Dark Fruit 
soup and the apple soup. Yeah, Tomic Dragon soup. Which one do you prefer? I think I prefer the dark fruit punch one. Is the apple one just a little too chemically? I don't think I can taste too much of the uh, because I've had some of the dry, the dark fruit punch and I've just taken one sip of the sour apple and I'm still trying to get a, get a taste for it. Yeah. Because I've drank. I can, well, all I can taste is a mix of that in, and... In my bad sort of eastern accent as I was doing before the show, <laughs> chemicals. <laughs> yeah. I know, because like, you're, drink, you're drinking in a wine glass, so it looked like you were drinking some bubbly wine when you're drinking the dark because it's I'm red. I'm drinking some evil potion. I know, like, now you seem like you're drinking some sort of weird chemical that's going to tell you from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde then, because it's green. <laughs> Take me from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on Mr. Hyde level. It's like, it's like a line from Family Guy when they're joking about Monster Energy. Look at it, it's green, so it's nature. <laughs> <laughs> it's green, so it's nature. <laughs> I've been wide awake and blacked out at the same time. Wide the beak off a bed. <laughs> I watched that one the other day, it was very fucking funny. Both of we went from punk to that. Yeah. yeah. As, 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 I, as I said with Brian the other day, and he agrees, before they fucked with it and made it less, you know, less as it was. That shit, if you drank too much of it. And you remember um, when we were in college with um, uh, Little Metal Guy. Uh, little Metal. What the fuck is What was his name that was in the college metal. class? There were a lot of people in that class. The boy but... with the long hair. That wasn't me. I don't know. Not a lot of people had long hair. Hung around with Gary a lot. Stuart? But he didn't have long hair. No, he was little and short. Well, him, he drank a lot of soup, and he got the shakes a lot from it. I literally have no idea who the fuck you're talking about. I don't think anybody listening has a, has a fucking clue who you're talking about either. Well, I'm, I'm rambling in an anecdotal sort of sense. Yeah, I know, but it's something more personal to us than... The, but back to Pung, I'll just do one couple, one, two things, and then we'll move on from it. I think maybe because i just seen the clip, and I wasn't, like, watching... I wasn't watching the... Uh, I wasn't watching it live. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the things where I think I'm not... I didn't get as excited as maybe I should have. Yeah. Partly because I was like, I found out afterwards if I was just watching it live and not no, had no idea what was happening and called off personality hits, I'd have a more like... Yeah. Like, oh my God reaction. But like, it's also one of the things where maybe in my head, I'd kind of ages ago made peace with the idea that Punk's not coming back. Like, not... Maybe less so, less so that he's coming back to wrestling, but I thought if he's coming back to wrestling, he's not coming back to WWE, or uh, to a certain extent, I didn't think he, didn't think he was coming back to wrestling, because yeah. I remember when AEW started, there was all this thing like, oh, this is a perfect thing for Punk to come back to wrestling, and if he's not coming back, maybe we'll go to Ring of Honor or AEW, and like, if he doesn't want to, just fucking leave him, just lads. Leave it, let it be. Stop reporting on it, and like, and then allegedly Punk did even had conversations with Tony Khan in AEW, but they just decided to do the the backstage thing and said because yeah. he wouldn't be working directly for WWE as I said he's working for the, the thing is though right see even though I I saw it and I heard about it even if I'd have seen it live I wouldn't have cared because I mean I I really didn't care for Punk as much as everyone else did do you know what I mean I mean mm-hmm. I thought he was a great wrestler don't get me wrong mm-hmm. And his whole his whole pipe bomb thing was kick ass, you know. Yeah. It was like see the way he used to antagonize people like Triple H and uh-huh. Cena and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Like he he definitely like, character he's a great guy for that kind of pushing the envelope kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But 
you know, um, his character was awesome. Mm-hmm. But wrestling-wise, there was many guys who were just as qualified and just as skilled as him in the ring. Yeah. You know, it was it was nothing special as a wrestler. As a as a character, mm-hmm. and as the way he portrayed the character of CM Punk, you could tell, like, when he portrayed that character, you could tell there was a lot of him personally in the character. You we're, know? We're currently in an era where, on the main roster, there's a lot of guys who came through NXT because he got his fight from Pro when a pre-NXT kind of era even when NXT started while he was there it was it took a really actually because he left like a, he was like a month before the first ever takeover yeah. of a network special so he's leaving right before the mega boom of NXT and its popularity into what we know it as today yeah for for it is basically like like you say like it's basically the third show in the, yeah. the organisation but like now there's all these people from NXT or these proper work rate people now on the main roster and yeah. also you've got NXT as well so I think with Punk, his style and his like promos, he stood out a lot more back in twenty eleven because he wasn't doing any of that. Whereas if he was, I think if he was in a an indie like in AEW or if he was in NXT today, he'd be good. He'd be definitely be popular. Oh, he definitely. Be but popular, he wouldn't yeah. be too dissimilar from a lot of other people. No, yeah, well, I mean, who have you got? You know, I mean, now you've got people. And I'm not talking about people that are like him because there's no one really like him. He was his yeah. own unique type of dude. Yeah, he's very own unique. There are people who who went for the old tattoos thing, but he he's properly like I remember he had, he went the first time he came out with all the a weird dragon tattoo yeah. all over his chest. Well, I don't, I don't just mean his his his, his, his well, appearance. Look, yeah, you know I mean, but I'm talking about like the way he portrayed himself, the way he put himself across. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of people that are like that now. I mean, you have you have like. I mean, you have, like, uh, what's his face? That Champa guy? Yeah, Tommaso Champa. Tommaso Champa, he does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the that faction. Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era, like that. Mm-hmm. Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I do apologise to our listeners. I do struggle to know a lot of the names of the NXT wrestlers. Despite the fact he's got that link that I sent him, which means you could watch NXT. I have a few times. I like Walter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big big Volta. I like Volta. Yes. Or as he's known for a while, then he's Big Daddy Volta. <laughs> <laughs> but because I have been really enjoying Impact, I've been watching a lot more Impact. Yeah. And the like, the one guy who's really standing out to me at the minute is Sammy Callahan. Is Sammy Callahan. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two people in Impact that I love: Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan. Mm-hmm. Because I love Rich Swan, <laughs> and that guy's phenomenal in the ring. I know. And his tag partner Willie Mack. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy, he looks like a pie. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's, he's so fucking athletic. The mm-hmm. guy is cool as shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... Well, I you like Willie him. Mack, you'll like fucking Big Keith Lee on NXT. Do you know who Brian's favourite in Impact is? Yeah. Elgin. Mm-hmm. He, he, I, I can, I can kind of see that, you know. Do you know why Brian likes Michael Elgin, though? Yeah. According to Brian, Elgin is the perfect physical specimen of what a wrestler should look like. He's the kind of guy who, he's not always been the best on like a promo, but I think he's better at ball because he, he looked a bit weird back in like early two thousand tens Ring of Honor when he had hair. Yeah. But like he's one of the guys where you either book him as this unstoppable monster given yeah. his size, or there's not much else you can book him as. He's so it, if, hard in that ring though. I know, and eventually you beat him, and then you got to keep him in that same position you had him before, which is very difficult once you've had a this big yeah. monster be beaten. There is also another person in Impact who I have a, a kind of a soft spot for, mm-hmm. and you'll know who I mean when I do this. Bah! 
Spalava. I love him. He's good, man. I was watching a little segment the other day when he was there with his with his friend. Uh, TJP. Yeah, with his friend and the other guy. Man. And we weren't talking, but smoke came across, and we all chilled out. And Falaba went from bar to sitting there with a t-shirt and a pair of glasses on, being all chill and talking very, very, very philosophically. Falaba strikes me as if Yoko's in a. The weird love child of Yoko's in it, I noticed those of it from Heavy yeah, Machinery. That's what, he, like, that's what he strikes me as. Basically, I've seen Falabaz see if Yoko's in it had got himself to a weight level with WWE he'd been happy with. Oh, yeah, he's like half the size of like Yoko's. Like, he's like the size, he's probably the weight of one of Yoko's butt cheeks. Okay, so you need at least three or four uh, of Falabaz to make up one Yoko's in it, and, that, and, that's, yeah. and that's in 93. You need a bit. Ten or so to, to make, make him up, up before he died. All right, make him up for a bit. Heroes of wrestling time. Oh, fingers crossed. Oh yeah, we we, we don't have to. Hopefully fingers have crossed. To I mean, I I recall watching Heroes of Wrestling just just to know what it, if it was as bad as it. I've seen highlights clips from it and like her reviews from podcasts of it. Oh god, it's awful, man. It's mm. so goddamn awful. Like, see. You know that point when you see a pay-per-view is so goddamn bad and it gets to that particular point where you go, when you yourself go, nah. Uh-huh. Like, see when Jake the Snake <laughs> tries to take off his fucking trousers uh-huh. and wave his snake at a woman in the crowd. Uh-huh. You know that bit The Simpsons? Stop oh. it, stop it, he's already dead. So, so you hear that silence, that silence is just a bit of our soul just dying. Yeah, yeah, it's just... It's awful, man. And seeing Yoko come out, man, you're like, Jesus Christ. Waterlight would be a more accurate description. But, like, I get what you mean. Like, I remember 2017 Battleground being, other than the opening tag match, being so bad. I was just so. I just. It left me in a mood just afterwards. It was so bad. Like, it left you in a mood? I was what, was like, the, what was the card of that one? It was, that was the one main event by the Punjabi prison of, between Jinder and Randy. Oh. Like, luckily, the only thing that picked me back up again was remembering I had an episode of Game of Thrones to watch. Yeah. And there was a, some really cool dragon shit in that. So, you know, that perked me right back up really again. Really cool dragon shit. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's the best summary of Game of Thrones you'll ever hear. But, you know, the whole thing, we don't, like, we don't know when he's going to come back to the ring, if ever. But like he's already, wrestles already trying to call him out. Like you got Seth trying to call him out on Twitter. Yeah. You got Bray sending a picture. One picture was of when he got whipped with a belt as Husky Harris, and then there was a picture of him in the Wyatt family attacking Punk. Just says, "I saw you." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was meant in that tone, but I think I read it in that tone. I saw you. <laughs> you can't not read it in that tone with Bray. Uh-huh. You know, like I saw you. <laughs> and so did Ramblin' Rabbit. <laughs> And Huskus could pick one. Boy. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a match. See him punk versus Huskus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if they have a thing between Wyatt and uh, Bray, or Wyatt and Bray, Wyatt and Punk. Would that be a hell of a match? A match between Wyatt and Bray? <laughs> and The Fiend in a triple threat? I know. But anyway, if you have a thing between Punk and Wyatt, you can do it in the build up, like a, a wee kind of end thing on an episode of Firefly Funhouse. Break, break gets a belt and whips Huskus the pig boy mm. as a reference to when he got whipped with a belt in Nexus. Yeah. You know, rather than rambling rabbit getting abused and murdered every week. Yeah. Like Kerry from South Park. Do you know, he is like Kerry from South Park. Good fucking reference, I've Scott. mentioned it before, but yeah. But, you know, there's a thing about that. What? Do you know, I, I do on occasion reference his daddy. Mm-hmm. IRS. Pay your fucking taxes. <laughs> 
I don't have any taxes. Did you know that IRS was a five-time WWF tag champion? I did not know that, no. Yeah. Three times with Money, Inc. Mm. And twice with another dude. All right. Yeah. Was there Barry Windham or something like that? Maybe. They were the American Dream or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, twice with him and three times with Money, Inc. So yeah, I was I was I was randomly Wikipedian yeah. Wikipedia and uh, IRS today. Uh, as you do. Yeah, well, you know that way when you're bored sometimes and you look at Wikipedia, mm -hmm. you know, finding out he was Mike Wall Street, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then and his first incantation he was not Mike Rotunda, he was Mike Rotun Rotunda. Well, like when he get returned to WWE, he was VK Wall Street, and then Vincent Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, VK Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Or like, wait, I hate it when people try to use the initials like, oh, as a reference to WWE or Vince, because like, Road Dog and Billy Gunn were in TNA for was the Voodoo Kin Mafia, so yeah. it would be VKM. VKM, Voodoo Kin Mafia. Their whole run is, VKM was sad. Yeah, well, do you know what makes me sad in reference to Road Dog? Anytime I see him nowadays. <laughs> because I remember Road Dog and Road Dog don't look like that. Nah. You know, a fat, mildly beetroot old man. Yeah, and a suit that looks very contrary and like, oh, 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 oh. yeah, but you know he's he's always looked he's always looked very silly. Road dog, he never had the best fashion since. Hey, he, he did. Come he on, he did not. He looked he cool, did. man. He looked fucking cool. He Fuck fucking you on that didn't. one. He Fuck you on that one. Road dog was cool, and fucking Jesse James when he was Jesse James, the cowboy guy, the country guy, he was fucking cool too. I will, I will fucking. Fight everyone to the end of the earth on that one. So that's punks are uncovered. Yeah. Very very succinctly. You know, damn it. We really sit on the big issues here. Well, that is a big issue, man. It really isn't. Jesse it? James was a fucking legend, man. Oh, yeah. And wrestling style. Well, not, maybe not wrestling that, style that, when that, he tried to shag someone. That, 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 that wrestling, that old... Uh, if that thing trying to shag people in the ring in that fashion, that's what gets you in the WWE Hall of Fame nowadays. What was wrong with his fashion sense, especially when he was the road dog, man? He looked cool. Moving on. You asked better call somebody, bitch. So for Survivor Series, <laughs> talking about the fiend, he may or may not be fighting Daniel Bryan at Survivor Series with the title. May or may not be beating Daniel Bryan. It's a weird though, because they're both on some added, so it makes sense. Yeah, that's about all that makes sense. But like. If you're going to build to Brian Bray, why are you doing it a week or so ahead of time on a pre-tape like Smackdown from the UK? Like, See, you, you say that, but it could just be the way the Fiend has been doing it. It could just be a random attack. I know, but like, Fiend always, he always says something like the Fiend remembers, so he had history with Finn when he attacked him. And well, he had a lot of history with Brian. I know, and he has history with Brian, so like, you can build that, but like, the best you can do is have break up a promo on this week Smackdown, and then, oh, we're having a match now. And then Bray will probably like beat the shit out of Brian. Like, then do you do him as a fiend? I don't see him as the kind of guy who does multi-month like programs because like you'd have some sort of square finish and lead to like TLC or whatever. Like, I don't see because I don't see the fiend being a guy who does multi-month programs because I already <laughs> think his thing with Seth went on far too long. I'll stop you now, right? I'll stop you now because I've been thinking about that. Uh -huh. And I did say you last thing. The thing with Seth went on too long because personally. Mm -hmm. Getting the belt off Seth, right? That was the main thing. Mm -hmm. But Seth, in my opinion, was not the right guy to be in a feud with the Fiend. I don't know. It was just a case that he had the belt, the Fiend had to get the belt. 
and it went on longer than it should have. He really should have took the belt at Hell in a Cell, but we won't talk about that too much. Well, like, it started after at the end, right at the very end of Clash of which was midway through September. You go to Hell in a Cell, but they realise, oh, but Halloween, that'll be more fitting for the Fiend to win the title. So when you get to Crown Jones, Saudi Arabia, yeah. so the whole screwy thing happens there. And People then, get pissed off. Right, and then you had to build, and you got another like three or so weeks between Hell in a Cell and Crown Jewels. So like, even if it's a month and a half at most, it feels like three months. Yeah. The way they constantly had them interacting. I mean, and shit. There's so there's so many rumors going on right now in regards to the Fiend and where is where it can go next. You know, because I mean, like, I've heard I've heard the rumor that the Undertaker. You we'll, know. We'll what what the, bloody purpose that would serve? We'll come back to the Undertaker in a minute, but. The Miz has been advertised for a lot of house shows against Bray. I see that maybe if I go to the Brian thing, maybe Miz is a stopgap for you that TLC or maybe the Rumble because mm. I don't. I would like to see Miz get another world title reign. I don't think he'll get it by beating the Fiend, but he does deserve it. So at least, having, at least having him being in the conversation, having him getting another shot, I think is like you can really test the Miz like if he still has any potential as a face because he had it against Shane. That really died. Yeah, that, so, that was another one. It went on longer than it needed to. Yeah. And so you can really see, like, if mm. Miz has one of the shots as a face, which I don't know if he does. Yeah. So not against someone as popular as The Fiend. So. I mean, I really I really do hate it when competent wrestlers are put in, put in programs that just they squeeze the life out of. Uh-huh. And anybody, and I, I mean no disrespect to Shane, mm-hmm. you know, but anybody that's put into a program with Shane... It seems to me like a punishment a lot of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's it's mainly well really cap- catapulted test career. Well, <laughs> well totally. But no, it's mainly to do with the fact that Shane's age. Uh-huh. Because see Shane twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Shane twenty years ago was merely capable in that ring. Mm-hmm. He surprised a lot of people with the fact that he was so good in the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, he was good at a lot of he was good at doing a lot of high spots, he could take a lot of bumps. He was pretty competent in general wrestling. Ah. He was, and he, he, he could he could sell a story. He could he could really make you buy into a story, mm-hmm. you know. But Shane now, I mean, he's what he's like mid forties. I bet that aye. mid forties at best. He he does need really silly bumps as well as he used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I I was watching uh, like I said, I was watching in ring injuries like mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And I was watching one where Shane got a concussion Aye. when he was fighting Roman. Aye. And I think it's when uh, he took Gospio to Roman. And he he was doing the West Coast pop thing and Roman spears him and he just fucks his noggin right off the canvas. And you're like, you look at him and you're like, ah, oh, you're it, man. You're Aye. done. Because he's lying there going, what state, what place of man? <laughs> you know? Who are you? Where am I? <laughs> But no, like, story-wise, it's good to be in a thing with Shane, but actual physical wrestling, it's a pain in the arse, because a lot of the time I think wrestlers have to carry him now. Well, unless it's like someone like AJ, because obviously you don't have to carry him, but like, yeah. unless it's someone like AJ who can get a stellar fucking match out of him, then I get, well, I get your point. True. that's true. But I think maybe even if the Miz has this program with Fiend and he loses, you could somehow find a way to use this as a catalyst for the return of Heel Miz. That would be good. You know, the, the role he's really born to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And you know how you talk about having him have another title run? Yeah. I'd just love to see that tight, that championship entrance again. You know when he had the big inflatable awesome and shit? Yeah. And he'd come out and he would. He looked so cool when he came out in that long leather jacket and the, like... Ah, oh man. The Fiend just, like... He dripped awesomeness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's... It's weird that he's doing all these movies and yet he's always seems to be playing a good guy in all these films. Like, mate, you're a natural heel on TV yet you're advertising movies that you play a good guy in. Why are you not being cast as a baddie? <laughs> like... The right, the because right, because I'm a good right, guy. It writes itself, yeah. Right, I could see you sitting there being the director. It writes itself. God damn it! Just be a bastard. Even John Cena, who hasn't been a bastard in terms of heel face for fifteen odd years, is taking roles in Hollywood where he plays a bad guy. Has he? Yeah, because he's decided like, well, he said in an interview, there's a, there's a chance we am going part time. I may get a chance to play a bad guy in wrestling anymore. So you know, I thought, why not do it in Hollywood? So who's he playing a bad guy in? Uh, he was a baddie and he was a human bad guy in the Transformers Bumblebee film where he was basically walking alongside the baddie like Decepticons and all Is that. He? Yeah, and I think there's one or two other ones, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. He played a drug dealer in some comedy film uh, with Tina Fey and that, where he had all these weird tattoos and that. God. I mean... So it's one of these things where he's stepping out of the whole typical... Like, and he started out in the same thing as Miz on these WWE action films, but then he's uh, stepping out, He's verifying, he's like, he's ranging that. He's stepping outside the typical, like, what you think of John Cena? Sure, you know, I'll tell you, John Cena's acting deals better than the Undertakers. <laughs> Not much competition though, is there? Suburban Commando. <laughs> You're dead, Mister Ramsey. Gee, no wonder you guys never talk. <laughs> He's definitely got a better career than Hulk Hogan at the moment. <laughs> Hey, have you never seen Mr. Nanny? That's a great movie. I have not seen Mr. Nanny. I don't plan to. Have you never seen... Oh, you need to see it, man. I'm you... not watching Mr. Nanny. You would piss yourself, man. So you would. We talked about fucking possibly having to do a punishment of watching Heroes of Wrestling. That is a punishment in itself, having to watch... I did... One film I've really seen Hogan act in more than anything is using that Three Ninjas movie. I've seen that. With that very clear, awful wig that he wore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But wasn't he also in a Rocky movie? Well, wasn't he Hot Lips in a Rocky movie? Thunderlips, and that was like in the early eighties. That's actually helped get Hulk Hogan popular yeah. back in the day. But it was it was, it was Thunderlips. It was in uh, that wrestling movie with Zeus. I know Hulk Hogan. No, I seen that once. But shite. <laughs> <laughs> and Suburban Commando, <laughs> great movie. Mister Nanny, great movie. Santa with muscles. Thankfully, I haven't seen that. Less, less said about that, the better. <laughs> but, like, talking about The Undertaker, they've announced a thing, uh, Stone Cold's got a new podcast thing coming to the networks. The first one's airing immediately on the network after Survivor Series called Broken Skull Sessions. Yeah. And uh, they're going to have a tour premiere immediately following Survivor Series with The Undertaker. So Undertaker completely out of character. as yeah, just Mark. Uh, they, they showed some clips there, like, and uh, they asked him about, he's running, like, I say, honestly, I don't know if I'm going to be around next year. Mark Callahan, right? Yeah, Calloway. Calloway, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know, I know everyone's very see a live taker of character interview with Inside the Dots before he got pulled from it and only, only did VIP meeting weeks and they replaced him with Mick Foley, who's done about 40 of these sort yeah, of things. It's still good to see him, though. Yeah, I didn't, get, I didn't, get, I didn't go. Yeah. The only, no, the, only, the only kind of like wrestler talking to people thing mm-hmm. I I didn't personally see, but because he was so fucking loud, I heard him. 
was when I went to the Collector Mania uh-huh. and I I met Mr. Duggan, <laughs> Mr. Cool. Thank you know, yeah. signed, he signed my SummerSlam King Duggan, <laughs> you know, which was really awesome. And you know, he was right with what he said uh-huh. at the time when I spoke to him. This is anecdotal, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But I was speaking to to Jim Duggan and I said, he was saying he was like, so who do you really like nowadays? And I was like, oh, I'm really I'm. I'm really, really into Bray Wyatt, and he was like, "Don't you worry about Bray. That guy's gonna go far." <laughs> and you know what? King Duggan was fucking right, man. <laughs> King Duggan was right. Of all the phrases I didn't think I was gonna hear today when we started recording was King Duggan was right. Yeah, but no, he said no. He was like, "Don't you worry about Wyatt, man. That guy's gonna <laughs> go far." And he gave me that. You know that way when he gives you that look when somebody goes, mm-hmm. "You're like, I know. I can't tell you, but I know. <laughs> you know." King Duggan knew about the fiend way back in the day. King Duggan had the gift of foresight. He had a premonition. The premonition. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, King Duggan, man. And Mr. DiBiase. <laughs> he made the man me who feel... you offended. I feel so terrible. You should. Shame you. I, Shame. He did, he did. Like, I should have took the pop figure you bought me. You didn't have it at the time. I know, but I wish I did. I took SummerSlam 88 and he went, Oh, this is the one where I fought Hogan. And lost. lost. And I was like, I'm sorry, man. I had nothing where you won. Yeah. <laughs> you had to... Like, you should have had him when I met him. Whereas I just printed a random photo type Jassy off of the internet and, and got me signed up. Did you meet him? Yeah, I thought you met him and Roddy Piper yeah. at a signing. Did you speak to him? I, I briefly spoke to him. Yeah. Not really much, but also Tatanka was there and I didn't have enough money for all three of them, so I just paid to get Roddy Piper and... And Million Dollar Man. Aye. The thing is... Tatanko's standing in the middle but mainly people wanted his photos, they didn't really want seeing stuff from him. So like he was in the middle and I was moving on to Roddy Piper. Viper was was dealing with somebody. Yeah. So I just had to stand there while TBS is getting the next person and Tatanko's just there just smiling at everybody. And I'm just waiting for Roddy Piper to finish up like, please hurry up Roddy, this is really awkward here. Really, like, I don't want anything from you Tatanka, but well, hey. I appreciate you being here Mr. Tatanka but you know, I don't want to. I, yeah. went, I, I brought a photo of Tatanka to get signed but I didn't have the money for all three of them. I realised, like, okay, then if, if I'm honest, the two I want is Roddy Piper and Teddy Biasi. You know we ramble, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm about to take us on a tangent again here. You've been to a lot of, you've been to a lot of things where you've met celebrities and signings and whatnot, I'm assuming, right? You've been to conventions and I, shit. I met, uh, I I met Boba Fett at Collector Mania. Yeah. I met, I met, uh, I met Crichton. <laughs> He's this big. Nobody can see how, how big you're saying. No, I I'm about five eight, and he was he was shorter than me. Yeah. You know? And I met the you know the Borg Queen. Uh huh. I met her. Okay. She was cool, and I seen uh, David Prose. Yeah. <laughs> no. it, it was kind of sad when I seen him though because like he was, he was on, double cr- double walking sticks, and you think you think this big huge. This big, huge man, you know, and you're like, this guy, like, you remember seeing him in his film roles, and you think, this big fucking dude. It's always, it's always weird going to see conventions, because there's always the one person that nobody, everybody's familiar with, or doesn't really want to get a thing from, so you just wander in, there's just that one person sitting behind a table by themselves. Yeah, lonely Virgil. There's, there's always one, oh, oh, I need to say something about Virgil, I don't He's know. He's in AEW. Seen, he appeared in AEW, seen yeah. Jericho's parody of a promo code he did a few weeks ago, where yeah. he did this whole thing where... He had Sammy Guevara playing the brandy as Cody, like, 
Like, which bubbler do you want after you beat Cody? This one's a lower car bomb, but this one's got better flavour. I come up, Cody Jericho, at 40 years old, he's the youngest AEW champion in history. <laughs> and there's one, the Soul Train Jones, he's referred to, like, Chris Jericho's potential is like the breadsticks at Olive Garden. Unlimited. <laughs> oh, there's one, uh, he says, no, I don't know what a goat is, because I'm not a farmer, but Chris Jericho is the greatest of all time. And there's one, like, Chris Jericho's aunt's friend from college. Yeah. Like, oh, we knew Chris Jericho would be an AEW champion. <laughs> but no, like, back to my, my thing. Like, out of all the people you've met and seen, you've, you've been to, mm-hmm. what has been your best experience? Because I know what mine's is. Well, I, I don't really know, because a lot of them have been very brief encounters alone and all that. Well, you did you did tell me you had a lot of joy meeting Roddy Piper. Yeah, because I came straight from school. Didn't he comment on your tie I, or something? I came straight from school, I mentioned this before, and I still had my, my, my white shirt and my wee blue tie. <laughs> and he, he, like, he complimented my tie randomly, and he asked me my name, and I said Scott, and he went, Oh, Scott from Scotland, and he joked about that. Yeah. And that was very nice. Like, you're like, I am from Scotland, you're no bother, you're from <laughs> Canada, eh? <laughs> I'm from Canada and they think I'm slow. <laughs> but, but, but classic Simpsons <laughs> reference there for you. But yeah, so I didn't. So I didn't. Uh, I didn't feel the need to annoy yeah. like like you annoyed Ted to be happy. Well, let us say my my best ever was Lance Henriksen. I made that man so happy. I know you've told me this before. Like I remember, almost actually an awkward. It felt awkward when I met Boba Fett because at first I seen him appear on a random like show there. Mystery guest, and he met yeah. Russell Howard in that, and then he quizzes Russell Howard on all these Star Wars things, right? And I'd seen him, so I vaguely remember what he looked like, but I didn't entirely know because I knew he was an older guy. Yeah. So I seen this old guy talk to these two people near the table, and then I started talking to this woman who was dealing with the money, and I was I gave her the money for the yeah. autograph and that, and jacket, and then the guy turns around and looks at me, and there's a bit of awkwardness because at first I forgot, I didn't realize this was him. Yeah. I was talking to this was the guy I was looking for, and then I, was, and then I suddenly realized, I'm like, oh hello here, and he's saying yeah. things to me, and then I. Like oh who's two and then was mentioning like so it was nice after the, all the, the that brief moment of awkwardness. Yeah, I must say the most awkward thing I've ever seen that was irritating was uh-huh. I've been to two of these collector things right, uh-huh. and the last one was at the one of the big well two of the big stars were at it was Teal'c Fay, Sargate, uh-huh. and Michael Ben, uh-huh. right. Now we'd went is we'd specifically gone to see Michael Ben right. Uh-huh. You know, fucking aliens, yeah. fucking Terminator, shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone to a convention, right, and seen a person go to speak to a celebrity <laughs> and really take the piss? No. I experienced that. We were standing in the queue, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy had been up to speak to Michael Bain, but he didn't go up and get his shit signed and have a little, you know, shake hand, like, really, I really appreciate your work, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. This guy stood there uh-huh. and talked at him and talked at him and talked at him to the point where even Michael Bain was looking pissed off. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us standing in the queue were start, we were starting to heckle the guy. Uh-huh. Like, oh, cunt, there's other people here to meet him. <laughs> Move! You know? I remember randomly at any one comics when my cousin went to a signing, which was Chris Masters and Eugene. Nice! <laughs> and my, I think it was my cousin who brought, the, brought it. It was one of us that had it. I, I, it would be him because I would have remembered if I had this, but I think it was a copy of Summer, SummerSlam 04 yeah. that he had. And he got it signed by Eugene. And then Eugene started talking about how, oh, that's my actual Triple H. And he talked about how he 
he started talking about the scar that he got because he got cut open at the back yeah. when he got thrown in his steps and he started talking to us about that like oh yeah I got cut right there and like alright and then I, did, I, took, I got a photo on my phone which sadly is I don't have anymore because that phone yeah. some kind that fucked up but like I was doing the typical like pose when you get a wrestler because a wrestler will go like that ooh like posing them and you do it as well you yeah. say when you do it as well but I'm doing it next to fucking Chris Masters of all people <laughs> I'm a bony wee tweet of a thing next to this fucking guy. Yeah, against the masterpiece. I know. Even Eugene is bigger than me at fucking Chris Masters. Yeah, well, Eugene, I mean, he was portrayed as a comical dude, but, I mean, Eugene was big enough. I know, and he, he thinks it as your friend Eugene or something like that. Yeah. Like, I felt bad for him with that ECW. Hi, Sandman! I know. It was sad, but it kind of ran its course by the end of the gimmick. But, like, yeah. he... Uh, the funny thing is with masters, I tell you, I get like random photos off the internet, print them, and then I get this out to the yeah, yeah. Literally, I could have taken any photo of Chris Masters and it went out because every photo I found of him was pretty much him in a similar looking pose with a well, similar and there his going, tights and a similarly looking pose. He was very. You think he was pretty much when he debuted the new version of the Narcissus when you think about it. Basically, any any pose or picture of Chris Masters probably like any pose or picture of Jim John Morrison. Yeah, definitely. I was about to say Jim Morrison, but let's let's face it. Well, you see, you see him when he comes out in his long coats and all that motion and long hair. Like, you have a feeling he may try to be similar to Jim that Morrison. That slow motion shit was cool. I mean, man. You can't, you can't. I'm sure if you ask John Morrison, like, I don't know what how what how much say he had in the name change from John Nitro to John Morrison. Yeah. But you gotta think somebody in the process was a fan of Jim Morrison and wanted to take inspiration from that. Yep. But like. There's some other stuff in the world of wrestling we could talk about, but it's mainly like built to survivorship stuff, which we can wait to. Is there any more rumor add on to that? I heard like like the last thing I heard was that like, he'd come out and said they might be working with WWE again. There's not really been no words on it. Yeah, but there well, is... if he was a secret like entrant in the rumble, that would be awesome. Like that. if number three countdown happens, and then we just hear like mm, when he comes out, you're like, God damn it, man, yes. <laughs> Especially if the Miz was in the, the ring. The shaman of sexy. Especially if the Miz was in the ring at the time as well. Oh, that'd be so fucking cool. Or just have Morrison come in, do some flippy stuff, and then the Miz comes in number four and the face-off between the two. What if we start doing poses like <laughs> Miz and Morrison? <laughs> that'd be cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Start doing a dirt sheet again. I know, like, oh, that'd be cool. WWE's doing this whole thing with Endeavour Radio. I can't remember what it's called. I think yeah. that or something different. They're doing this whole podcast network. They've got to be after the bell with Corey Graves as the host of it. Yeah. It's a decent enough show. But like you see the triad, like they're blurring the lines a bit. But like they're saying that it's a podcast network which implies they might have other podcasts. So mm. you get if you're not doing the dirt sheet on many these do the dirt sheet if Morrison comes about, do the bring bring back a version of the dirt sheet, but not as like a network show or a YouTube show. Have it as a podcast format. Then yeah. in character on their own podcast. And they can use that to build trees and slag of their upcoming opponents. That'd be so cool. That is a fucking cool... Thank you. Thank you very much. Well done. I'm here till Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yes. I'm you didn't inform your... me. I'm stealing your bed. Fuck off. <laughs> you can lie in the corner. Don't tell me where to lie. <laughs> but there's other, as I was saying, there are other wrestling we talk about, but it's all like built to like war games, the stuff, which we can wait till... the end of next episode to talk about when we officially make our predictions. Oh, yeah, because... We are going to war, Paul. Yes. I will not be reviewing Legends of Wrestling. I will not be doing that, Scott. And now they're trying to stack the odds against us, Paul. It's now a three on two. We are like the Rock and Sock against the Evolution at Mania 20, and I know it didn't quite work out for the Rock and Sock, but this time will be different. You're the Sock. How dare you.
Well, I don't want to be Liz Sock. There's nothing wrong with Mick Foley. Yeah, but I don't want to be Liz... I'll be Mick Foley, but I'm not being the bloody Sock. I know, but Mick Foley is the Sock. It's a metaphor, because he had the Sock. I know. But anyway, you're getting stuck in some minutes. So yeah, Reese from, from Rogue Opinions has joined them. And, Paul, we talked briefly to be the idea of should we add a third, like a Brian or something like that? But then I uh, thought, no, it'll be a lot more embarrassing for them if they have to lose. Their three can't be our two. Come on, well, you've forgotten more about wrestling than fucking Reese or Nathan will ever know. Yeah. Jimmy I like more because he does some commentary and he works with some smaller promotions in New Jersey where he lives, so... You know, he's he's a good guy. Hello too. Aye, Thanks. Aye. Well, I, I don't know any of the three of them. Yeah. I'm only going on what you say, but you're my trusted podcast colleague and friend. Uh-huh. So I will take your word as gospel, man. You know, yeah, I'll enjoy doing stuff with them, but this is our baby. This is our show. We will, yeah. not, be, we will not be showing up. Scott and Paul, Dan. Yeah, Scott and Paul. We will not be defeated. We will not. We shall not be moved. God <laughs> damn it. No surrender. <laughs> Fuck I! There you go. And fucking no fucking legends are wrestling. Aye. Fuck legends are wrestling. It's a shitty old fucking pile of crap. I'm sure it is, but Heroes of Wrestling is equally shit because that's the name of the fucking show. Aye, I'm thinking of that fucking shite wrestling game. I had that for a while on PS2. So did I. So did I. It was garbage. It was, it was count three even after you kicked it. Aye. It was a lot of shite. What a, as we say in Burnerston, a lot of shigite. <laughs> Rather be a Luddite than a Fuddite. <laughs> like, shut right, mate. Well, you know what? Your pay per view was shite. <laughs> it was shite. Like, come down and say that to my face. Say it to my face, and horns off me, you honours. Like, <laughs> shout out to Rab Florence and fucking. Right, Rab Florence, who also has a wrestling podcast now, him and Grado wrestling Grado. daft. I, I've, I've, I've been in the presence of Rab Florence. Oh, yeah, so we both have. Aye, and, I was, and I was most recently, because when he appeared, he and Ian Connell appeared at Fear and Loathing. Aye, Ian Connell. I'm sorry I forgot your name where Ian Connell. But, like, aye, because... We'll, so, yeah, us against Rogue Vines, we'll talk more about next week, because at the end of our... Next week, we'll be starting our first of our, in our series, In Your Gaff. we look at the very first In Your House. Yep. And it sounds like a good idea, but then I remembered... It's smack bang in the middle of the diesel era, so you know. Well, very it may not true. Be the... Very true, but if you will, if you will quickly hold a recording advice, uh, device so it does not fall over. Uh huh. Oh, Paul's getting up. He's going I'm to his collection. I'm, I'm going to give the people a rundown of the card on the very first oh. in your house. All of it. I was a shit counter. He's getting up. He's going to the going to the VHS. He's got the VHS. He's sat back down. Yes. Tell the people of the cover. It is Sid. Looking very angry. Oh, come veins, on. Sid always looks very angry. Veins popping out of his neck. Yeah. And Kevin Ash thinking, I have to fight Sid. Yeah. <laughs> but he always looked like, I have to fight and set wrestler here. <laughs> no, it, he was more like, you should see his face when he realises, I have to put over and set wrestler yeah. here. This was in Syracuse, New York on May 14th, 1995. That is one dusty ass tape, by the way, may I say so myself. Yeah, well, it's on the top shelf. Oh, yeah. I mean, look. Oh, Jesus, I like a dusty. Indiana Jones has uncovered things with less dust than that. Yeah. Tape's fine, though. Yeah, tape's fine, also, because it's inside. But <laughs> you know? the card, Paul, the card. But the card on this show, it, I'm going to go from bottom to top, because that's generally how it goes. Okay. We start with Bam Bam Bigelow versus Tatanka. Doesn't sound too bad. You know, but Bam the, Bam was great. Then Bam Bam turned face, but then Tatanka turned heel remember, this yeah. time. But rest, rest you, Bam Bam. Oh, yeah, you know? of course. And then we have Undertaker versus Kama. 
the supreme fighting machine. The future godfather. The former Papa Shango. Mm -hmm. And future Kyle Mustafa, a question that you screwed me on in one of our wrestling quizzes. Very true. Then we have Brett the Shitman Hart <laughs> against the King Jerry Lawler. Oh God, that again. Yeah. Would not and be it, would not be at King of the Ring. This is the follow month before King of the Ring. It would be yeah. the King of the Ring where they do the whole foot match, and then at least to their debut of Isaac Yankum. <laughs> and then we have, and Whoa. this is a wrestling classic. Oh, I'm Adam Bomb versus Mabel. Oh. <laughs> God. Adam Bomb versus Mabel. I mean, I like Mabel in an ironic sense because of how shitty he is. Do you know Mabel and Midian beat Triple H on an episode of SmackDown? The, the SmackDown before Triple H won the title back at Unforgiven. Yeah. Because Triple H had to go through all these matches with opponents from the six pack. To, or he had to win three out of two, three out of five, sorry, to get any spot. It was Kane in an Inferno match, Big Show, and a Choke Slam challenge. Midian and Mabel in a castle match. It was meant to be The Undertaker, but Undertaker walked out. Mankind a boiler and brawl and the rock and a Brahma bull rope match. Yeah. Guess which ones he lost? <laughs> well, the Midian one, obviously. The uh, Brahma bull match. No. Boiler match. No. I'm joking because I think it's obvious. Like him and Triple H versus Big Show in a choke slam challenge. Who's gonna? Oh. Yeah. And right. then. Well, the match after the grand the wrestling classic of Adam Bomb v Mabel. How do you fall that end the show there? Yeah, fall. I know. I know. You just you can't go further than that. Fine, screw your, screw that your Shawn have. Michaels of the day. Razor Ramon mm -hmm. versus Jeff Jarrett and the Roadie. And the handicap match, is it? I would, I would guess. Well, it, well, it could be a triple threat. That's and why then, I'm again, we have Shipman. Uh, He's on this fucking card twice. Huh? Brett Hitman Hart versus Hakushi. Well, maybe Jerry Lawler backs out of the match and then he has to wrestle mm -hmm. Hakushi later. But there's, there's a wrestler that could have been something and never was. Mm -hmm. Hakushi. You know? I've interesting thought about Brett in 95, mainly from reading a book, uh, Titan Sinking, which is about the year 95 in the yeah. WF, but I'll get to it when we get to next week. Because yeah. he did have a... It is related to how all these random foods he did seem to have before he eventually got the belt back from from Diesel. Spoiler alert. Yeah. For a thing that happened 20 plus years ago. <laughs> yeah, you've ruined it for people now, Scott. I know. But anyway, go on. I'm, I'm with Peter Brett to hear the rest of this card. Well, now we hit the main event. Woo. WWE Champion Diesel... Versus Sid. No Shawn Michaels on this card. No Shawn Michaels on this card, no. This is bizarre. I know he's on the second in your house. Yeah. And other ones, but you know, he, but he's not on this one. You'd, I did tell you what apparently the Sid stood for, didn't I? Uh, Suddenly no. I'm dominant. I did not know that. Yeah, I or heard... Or you probably told me before and I forgot. I, he and I, I, heard it, I heard it on one of my pay-per-views and I don't know if it's just something that the commentators were saying. Like... Mm -hmm quoting as a commentator or whatever, but it does sound like a very sad thing. Mm -hmm. Suddenly I'm dominant. I'm not sure if it initially meant that maybe it was something they were trying to trademark as kind of the initials for it, kind of like how 3D said for Dudley Death Drop and all that, and they maybe would always say Sid that. was just Sid. Yeah, I know. It was better than calling himself Psycho Sidney Justice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Sidney! <laughs> you know. But. But also, this is the fun part of having the tape. What about it? Silver Vision presents the largest selection of WWF videos in Europe. <laughs> and this is all the fun ones from this year. Mm -hmm. We have In Your House. Uh -huh. We have King of the Ring 1995. Oh, God. The, the coronation of King Mabel. Yes. We also have WrestleMania 11. Mm -hmm. 
Which the only good match on that was Bam Bam V Lawrence Taylor. You know the funny thing is we're just doing the in your houses, so we'll follow in what happens like when there's a pay in between, but it means we don't have to sit through Mabel winning King of the Ring and we don't have to sit through his match with Kevin Nash at SummerSlam yeah. where he nearly broke Kevin Nash's back. That's SummerSlam ninety four. Ninety five. Ninety five. Because that's the one we have on the inside, the one with oh, the two yeah. takers. Yeah. That, who was actually Chains from the DOA. So Chains from DOA may have entered over Brett and Owen in the steel cage. I can't believe that. I know. Because I've seen that steel cage match. Brett and o- phenomenal. Brett and Owen being only the second match in WF at the time to get a five-star rating from Dave Meltzer. The first one occurring at Mania that year, which was oh. uh, Sean V. Vazor in the ladder match. Are you surprised, though? I mean, I well, know no, I, I'm not. But, you know. I know I talk a lot of shit about Bret Hart, but that's more as about him as a person as a wrestler he was fucking on he was without fucking he was without fucking question i mean you watch, you watch the feud between they two and you think how bizarre it was that there was a stage where it was it was pitched as brett v bruce hart like we have no get we're nowhere near the star ratings that i was i'm get like surprised who pitched the idea of brett v bruce was it vince no who was it it was bruce Bruce. Bruce Bruce was always trying to get himself over when he ever he appeared. Oh, there was no amount of magic could have got that fud over. Even Brett apparently he hated Brett for a while because Brett was the one that said, "Yeah, I'd rather do it with Owen. He's the more nah, he's he, a wrestler." No, nah, he owns a wrestler. You're a fanny. So like apparently it was a thing where now it was Shawn Michaels leading these nights. I, yeah. I thought about yeah the other week. Yeah, yeah. But like there was a spot they were going over spots and Bruce like Brett was laying out bits of spot and. Uh, Bruce kept trying to fight work spots in that really only benefited him. And I got to see where Shawn Michaels even spoke about and went, and it's funny considering how much he and Brett were going to hate each other, but he spoke about, hey man, if my brother was what was considered the best there is and was a former WWE champion, I'd shut the fuck up and listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> Just I mean, fu- a lot of people talk about Shawn's disrespectful nature, but he, he knew it was best for business. <laughs> he's basically most of what, the time. He's basically, at that point, he was doing what everyone else was saying, like, Bruce, shut the fuck up. That's why he. That's why he and Brett got on for a while because they're both. Because Brett probably was too polite to say that to his own brother. Yeah, so he appreciated Sean being his mouthpiece. Uh, he's too. He's Canadian. He's too nice to say to his brother to shut the fuck up. Oh, come on, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the real beef that came for Sean and Brett was the simple, the fact, the thing that grew that was Mania thirteen, wasn't it? Yeah, well, and also, like Brett talks about how when he met Sean, after he came out and basically told him the idea, even though he said to him. Oh yeah, I'm beating you at Mania, but you're eventually going to beat me as well. You're going to get win the rubber match, and then I'll put you over. Brett says that you can visibly tell Sean did not like the idea of losing to Brett. Well, according to some sources, mm-hmm. Brett met Sean backstage at one point, and Sean came up to him and said, "Look, I appreciate you put me on all that, but I'm never going to do." I, I wouldn't do the same for you. I wouldn't do the same for you. And Brett took quite a slight to that. You know what I mean? I mean. I, Brett does have an ego on him. Oh, obviously, a lot of wrestlers do. You no, know, but say they would. The, fa- the main reason Brett annoys me with his ego mm-hmm. is as he acts like his ego is different uh-huh. to every other wrestler's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, Brett, you're just as much a fud as the rest of them. But like, you know, I think if Sean had just lied in that moment and said, uh, oh, yeah, I'd definitely do the same for you, hopefully Brett would be more compliant and just put him over and we didn't have to do the screw job in the first place. Totally. You know? But you know, this is way a sidetrack. But I was, I was watching, like, I was watching a shitload of shoot interviews the other day. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people have an issue with Brett. 
Uh-huh. A lot of people have an issue with Brett, but it, about the same amount of people have an issue with Sean. No, but Brett has buried up quite a few people. Like, there is a, an hour-long video of compilations of Brett interviews called Brett Buries the World. Basically, people yeah. he's, he's talked shit of in interviews. I wonder how many times he mentioned Sean Michaels and Triple H. No, oh, I wonder. Well, wasn't it Triple H that basically went and solidified the idea of a screwjob? I think everybody, a lot of people would say that he may have been one of the first or one of the more vocal people to see it. Well, from what I, he... from what I hear, it was a case like Sean and Sean and Vince were going fucking like that, and Triple H picked up and went like, "Look, if you only do fucking business, let's just do it for him." Like they were like all people like Jim Cornette on that Dark Side of the Ring documentary, the episode about the screwjob mentioned a similar instance. In an old territory where they had to do a similar thing, mm. and then there's this funny thing in the documentary where it goes back and forth where he, Russo, tries to say he came up with it, and then, and then like, oh, Vince Cornette never said a story about some sort of thing, like, and then Jim Cornette, like, like, no, oh, Vince Russo didn't come up with it, Jim, Vince Russo's a fucking liar. Yeah. Like, oh, and like, Bruce Pritchard even said, like, Vince Russo didn't come up with it because Vince Russo tried to credit for everything, but like, because Russo tried to say, oh, yeah, you put him in the shark shirt, man, we'll ring the bell, like, and Vince and Bruce Pritchard and went, no, that wasn't, that wasn't his idea. Sean was always meant to put him in the sharpshooter. It just that just had to be the best opportunity we had to then do the screw job because yeah. the whole was as far as Brett was concerned, he was meant to encounter it because you see him. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be a running. Aye, and, and then, I've seen him like I've watched that back a hundred times. And you see Brett reaching. Aye, because he's meant to try and counter, and then that's when the heart foundation and DX and big scuffle and all that shit. Yeah, it was supposed to be like a, a whole scrimmage, and then Brett <laughs> would either lose it the next night or or just vacate. Just it. vacate. But see, on that in that whole instance, I totally one hundred and ten percent, and you'll never hear me do this very often. Totally one hundred and ten percent agree with Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Brett wasn't willing to do business. The best person I've heard talk about it is Paul Heyman. Like, oh, you're dropping the title. Like, oh, I don't want, don't want to do it, my Oh, you don't want to? Too bad. My company, you're dropping the title. <laughs> because Paul Heyman is like, I don't. If, even if he was in the business, like. I don't give a fuck. You're dropping the title one yeah, way or another. You're doing it, guy. Yeah, you know Paul Heyman is no, it's no stranger to pissing people off. Yeah, I mean, what's your, do you think Brett was in the wrong for his attitude? Oh god, it's like, this like is I don't, I know Brett was in the wrong countless times, but in that particular instance, do you believe that he was in the wrong for his attitude? Well, like, if he was as professional as he claimed like, to be, like I've, I've mentioned this before, you should listen to that podcast, but on Bischoff's podcast, one of his first ones about Bret Hart's time, and they mentioned very early on, like this whole thing, they didn't want him to show up on your show with a tape win, like, and Bischoff said, like, look, I, I didn't say Bret will burn the belt over, will fucking stick out those guys, like I wanted him to leave on good terms. Like, it's like I was already getting so much shit from the whole Medusa thing. The whole thing. Alundra Blaze thing. And then put when Nash and Hall came over, they said, like, they yeah, try to claim they're acting too similar to their old characters and try to sue them again there. Yeah. So, like, we were already under so much scrutiny. So, like, I was saying, so we, I couldn't have had him appear on the show with the belt if I like, wanted let, to. Let's no piss them off any more than we already like, have. Like, even if I wanted him to show up with the title, we couldn't do it. So, like, even in that sense, like, I think it's just a lot of paranoia getting in the way of like just like if a whole thing about complaining oh he won't put me over like it's a lot like he won't put you over but if you put him over everyone looks at him as the arsehole uh, it makes you the better man I, the whole thing about being the bigger person like you apologise to someone but they don't say it back you don't complain about it you just say oh I apologise he accepted it because then you look like the bigger person because you went to them and you <laughs> apologised and they didn't so they look like the dick and people will, like everyone will come up to you and agree like Aye, he was a dick, no you. See, that's the whole thing I don't get. See if Brett had actually been as professional as he 
claimed to be. Mm-hmm. Like you say, he would have done the fucking job for Sean mm-hmm. and would have came out smelling roses. He would have looked 100% better. It would have been... It would actually have been very a detriment to Sean's character. Plus, Bush always said a lot of the time for most of Hart's run in WCW, he just didn't have the passion anymore, partly because of the screwdriver and all that. Like, if he just, I don't know if that would have improved if he hadn't done the screwdriver and all that, but like, at least, like, let him leave. If he leaves on good terms, hopefully his WCW run gets off to a better start than it did. Yeah, well, it was mainly his own fault, didn't he? Wasn't he? I mean, even before the unfortunate passing of his brother happened. <laughs> I mean, that really killed his passion, but yeah. before that happened, even before that, he didn't have the passion for the company because he was... I mean, everything I've read and everything I've heard about Brett, he was bitter. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he goes on and on nowadays claiming he wasn't bitter about things, but you can always tell because he never stops talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, he always harks back to that time period. Like... I remember, like, Conrad Thompson, who's on the podcast with Bert that he always tries to give Bert uh, shit for how Bert was booked in that time. Like, and he keeps coming back to the same thing. Like, listen, Bert didn't fucking give us any alternative. He didn't make one suggestion about yeah. how he should be, but he thought he should be, how he thought his career should go. He just showed up, did what he did, he, had his, did Took his, his match. his money and went. Because uh, he, he didn't have the passion anymore. He's like, he talked about how he said, like, he mentioned Scott Hall again. I was like, you talk about them, like, when it comes to creative and MTFAs, these guys can come up with some good fucking ideas. Like, Scott Hall is one of the few first people who went, oh yeah, I've seen this film called The Crow. If you're looking, Sting, if you're looking for this new look, you should see that Crow film. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Scott Hall was really into his films, and that's, that's mean, how he came up with his... They, what the fuck? Wasn't Brett on three million a year? I think it was three million, I think it was, like, or two and a half million at least over three over years. Over three years, yeah. Yeah. But he was on a rolling contract, like, of yeah. quite favourable money. Somebody actually pointed this out. Now this whole, like, 20-year contract that WWE talks supposedly about. Supposedly talked about, yeah. Allegedly. I just, something I only pointed out now, it didn't click to me until yesterday, because, like, that would have ran out two years ago. Yeah. I would have went up right up until 2017, I just went. Crazy. I know. Because it was maybe, like, three years as a wrestler, four, five or so years as a back backstage guy or seven years three yeah. years as a backstage like advisor or one of the senior producers like kind of like a Bruce Pritchard or yeah, yeah. or like Jim Cornette or GR's role he'd be right there with Vince I think and then 10 years he'd be in this like ambassador for the company so he'd go like media events or shit like that uh-huh. like, kind of like what you see like some Mark Henry and Big Show they just show up these weird media events randomly like I think he would have been in that role like as a guy who represents uh, like still employed like, by the like, company uh, like, with no in ring we are the WWE, we, we promote these values as what we're all about and all yeah. that present a good image of the company. From what I heard, well, I mean, you talk about is it was going to be, what, four years in ring if he'd re-signed? Years to years, like, so he would have wrestled right up until he had had to retire anyway. He would have wrestled right up until... 2000, because, like... 2000, well, maybe 2001. Well, in the 96, he comes back and has a match with Austin, so in the 96, going to 97, he signed his official deal, so... He wouldn't have wrestled. His career wouldn't have last went as far as far past the point where he had to retire after the concussions and the stroke. Yeah, but I anyway, mean, so lot aside, if that hadn't happened to mm-hmm. him, you know what I mean. You gotta wonder how that may have affected his position in the company if he if he'd been in the position of transition from wrestler to backstage guy around the time he has the stroke, or if he'd mm-hmm. been in the company and stayed with him around about the time Owen did the Blue Blazer gimmick. This is the whole thing I went. Like the idea of what ifs, because oh, Owen had so a lot, of tri- Owen had a lot of trepidation about doing the whole being lowered down thing. Yeah. Anyway, 
uh, was right to have him because he's dead. You know, I wasn't going to put it as bluntly as that. But you I'll talk, get... you talk about what ifs. I mean, what if Sean hadn't hurt his back at Rumble '98? He would probably be dead now. Probably. You know, because if I'm right, Sean was on a hell of a combination of pills at the time. Yeah, he'd definitely be looked at very differently to how he is now. But yeah. see the thing, Paul, I mentioned at the start. We're not going to talk about that much. We're probably talk about Punk and some other things. And then <laughs> I mentioned do. one anecdote about Bruce Hart, and then we're fucking. Yeah, we've been yeah. here for nearly an hour, I think. But it's 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 what we do, Scott. It's what we do. Fraser, we, we don't ever mean to do it. The people who've come to hear us talk about Fraser will be very disappointed. Skipping through because like, when are they gonna get to the Fraser? Yeah, but, but, I I did tell the people on the Fraser group on Facebook. I I I commented and I said like because I think one woman said yeah I would like to know the name of your podcast too and I was like well we are the Scott and Paul rambling podcast and I said we we talk about Fraser and other fun topics that I'm sure you will really enjoy. I'm not as a fan of the Apple one. Actually. That's okay. I'll 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 help you out. <laughs> but. Uh, and do you know, on that note, I really do hope that that woman took my advice and listened to our show, because even if she doesn't like the wrestling <laughs> and rambling content, mm-hmm. I think, I would like to think a lot of the Fraser group enjoy our Fraser content. Because uh-huh. we we do put a lot of effort into our Fraser content. Like, so, I think we'll save a lot of the other wrestling things I could talk to about, like, because I don't know if I want to talk about Phil Gear as much, because you've not seen it. no. Oh, you'll be happy in Impact because Sammy Callahan is now the Impact World Champion. Oh yeah, well I, I will I will briefly talk about that and try not to make it another segue. But I, you had been on at me to watch that cage match because I very nearly spoiled it when I talked about Sammy appearing it. Yeah, he yeah. came out with the belt, even pile drive. I, I was very annoyed because he hit BT with the belt, then powered him on the belt, but then BT kicked out one. Yeah. But then he hit him, kicked him in the balls repeatedly and hit another power drive, <laughs> and then just beat him. And he grabbed the impact belt as he's pinning him and he's raising it up as the three's yeah. coming down, which is just a bastard move. So yes. But I must say, you'd been on at me, you were like, have you seen it? Watch that cage match. And I watched it and do you know, I was, I went through so many emotions with that match because like, have you seen the match, right? I've seen the highlights of the match. I know. Right. Brian Cage comes out uh-huh. and by God, like, I mean, that guy's a fucking physically a beast anyway like he's huge right he comes out in that angry way a champion does hodding the title running down the ring uh-huh. and he runs in and he starts beating the living piss out of Sammy Callahan cause of all the mm-hmm. like, all the stuff that's happened all the shit that Callahan's done mm-hmm. you know but ultimately he takes a hit to the head starts bleeding and the match turns uh-huh. and Callahan Unlike Bound for Glory, where Callahan got his ass handed to him, mm-hmm. Callahan beats the living shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Like he clubs him with the fucking baseball bat, which he did not employ at Bound for. Well, he learned. He learned from his mistakes, yeah. didn't he? But when it came to the finish, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this has happened in wrestling, right, but I personally have never seen someone do what Sammy Callahan done. Uh-huh. You know, pile driver. And then stand up, keep them clamped in the position, and then pile driver, and then pile driver, and then fucking top rope pile driver. I think there may have been a variation of it similar to someone else, but I can't think of the example but off the top of my head. What a finish, man! Uh-huh. And Callahan wins, and I was like, I was in two, I was in two emotions at the time. I was like, shock, but happy shock. I was like, 
Seriously, one kick ass. There's a and also he has a conversation afterwards with Tessa Blanchard and there's a preview I think at the start of next year called Hard to Kill, which is being teased as having uh, Sammy Callan versus Tessa Blanchard for the title. That'd be cool, man. Yeah, that'd so, be cool because Tessa Blanchard kicks ass, man. Yeah, definitely. I'd love, you know, if it came down to a match, and this would be like a fantasy match, right? But see if it was Tessa Blanchard um, versus Becky Lynch. Oh. Tessa Blanchard would kick the living piss out of her. Mm -hmm. And I I stand by that statement 100% because Becky Lynch is shit. Tessa Blanchard is fucking awesome. But like, there's a thing... Did you see the promo that I sent you? Sam McCallany cut this promo shortly after he won the title and he was coming to ICW with it and you're like, well I pissed a lot of people off in the US this past week so I thought I'd come across the pen and see how many more people I can piss off. <laughs> I tend to see that one. No, you, you should watch it but like he also won that match as, as I said but he also said on Twitter and he did a promo I think it's on the start of the next week's Impact on he goes, we're here, we're celebrating with some beers, not with bubbly like a couple of bitches. Uh... <laughs> 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 You're a fan of a little bit of the bubbling. A little bit of the chemicals. <laughs> but no, I, I will, I will be the, the the person here to say this. We have we have rambled on for quite some time now about our wrestling, and I think we should give the people what hopefully they are here to listen to. Yes, of course. But before we do, I, I've said I'll one round one oh. more time. Next Go week, on. In Your Gaff, you'll have all the wrestling you want because we'll have the first edition of In Your Gaff as we look at the first ever In Your House Papa View event. And we, we will slobber over that Adam Bomb Mabel match. See, it's the thing, most of the versions I'll be watching, I'll probably be watching on the network and you'll be watching this, so if there's any differences in the presentation, we, will, we will, should be sure to point them out. I will be watching the proper version. I know, but like... I don't have the VHS, do I? I don't have a VH player, player in my home anymore. Have you ever had one? I have had home? one, but I don't have one anymore. Since when? Since a good while ago. Yeah. At least 10 years? Do you... Do, I mainly do DVDs or Netflix or with the network or some do shit. Do you know what the last commercially released VHS movie was? I believe you've told me before, but... I have told you. But I forgot. Do you know when it was? 2006. I was going to say 7 via 6. Yeah. 2006, and it was A History of Violence. Mm. The Viggo Mortensen film. Yeah. There's a copy of it in some fucking museum now. Oh. The last commercially released VHS. We'll have, we'll have that and talking about our predictions for Survivor Series, so you'll have all the wrestling you can handle yeah. next week, if you haven't already. But <laughs> before we move on, Paul, is there anything you want to talk about your week that's not wrestling or Frasier related that well, you just, think would be interesting? Just quickly, I got my new glasses this week. Uh -huh. They're very, very sharp, I think. Uh -huh. you know? They cost me £25. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I was not in receipt of government funding, <laughs> they would have cost me £90. Yeah, well, there you go. Something good about the government for once. Yes. And also, I re-dyed my hair. It's a lovely, nice shade of black again, as opposed to kind of black with my roots coming through. You know? Uh -huh. And, um... What else did I do? I watched... and Hey, back to wrestling again. <laughs> I, 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 wa I watched WrestleMania 12 again for the joy of the Iron Man match. Trying to get away from talking about wrestling, it's like, one, one, two steps forward, five steps backwards. Yeah. I keep, this every time I think I'm out, they keep dragging me back in. 
that's me when that's me when people say, "Oh, I'm done with watching WWE." Like, I'm not one of these people. I can watch as many other places as I want. I don't think I'll ever be one of these people who doesn't watch WWE. Because I watch some variation either by via clips or just watching NXT. Yeah. I'll never be a person who doesn't watch. And occasionally something interesting will happen. That's the whole thing with me. This is when I'm thinking about. They'll just Vince McMahon reaches through my television like, "Come back here, damn it." <laughs> That would be, that would be. You're still watching us, damn it. I thought you liked Baron Corbin. I thought you liked John Cena and (laughs) Seth Rollins, damn it. That's a good impression. (laughs) For both of us, I think. I'll I'll say quickly before we move on. uh, My brother's got a feature of Amazon Prime, so we've been really watching this show called uh, The Boys with uh, Carl Urban's in it. And it's it's very interesting. It's eight eight episodes. The Boys. The Boys. White all the way. No. It's called sorry, The Boys. It's sorry. eight episodes, six, uh, six, an hour, an episode, and basically it's an idea of what would happen if the government basically and, co- and corporations got involved in superheroes and all became like using really superheroes and commercialize them. And basically, superheroes are more be- concerned about their own image and reputation than saving people. Yeah. And basically, they don't care about collateral damage. So, this guy is that we got from. Like, and this isn't a spoiler because it happens right at the start of the trailer if you watch the trailer for it and in the first five minutes of the first episode where a speedster runs so fast he runs through this guy's girlfriend and basically kills her <laughs> and basically he doesn't really apologise that much for it he's not that apologetic about it and the no, guy's so angry well, she was in the way and he's like pissed about it and then he meets Carl Urban's character who's like he puts him like yeah and all these superheroes like, they just think they're untouchable and basically they're reaching out to expose corruption within the whole corporations behind superheroes and basically show superheroes up for what they really are yeah so it's a really interesting like look change up on the superhero kind of genre also i watched this film it was absolutely hilarious if you can find it i recommend it it's called, What's it called? four lions four lions it was released in uh, 2010 this guy called riza ahmed who's gotten quite well known in the u.s since this film uh, it's basically these, these muslim guys and there's one white guy but he is a muslim but basically they're trying to become a <laughs> radical like terrorist group but they're just so incompetent at it. So it's not uh, kind of glorifying the whole Muslim being terrorist thing, but it's like... taking the piss. taking the piss out of the idea that these idiots trying to be terrorists. Is that is that much like in Still Game? <laughs> I, well, I can, because I'm no Muslim. <laughs> there's like this thing... I don't rub it in. There's like a thing that they're trying to do these like very serious videos against the West and they keep fucking it up. <laughs> Why you got a gun for, man? Well, it's intimidating. It's too small. I'll move closer to the camera then. <laughs> I'm trying to think of somewhere to, uh, to blow up. Blow up, blow up boots. Not starting, not starting a whole world war be- over some tampons and some cotton buds. Uh, the one where I made characters. See, that is the best way to deal with terrorism. <laughs> Rip the piss. It's the fact the guy takes his hostages in a kebab shop and he's just sitting there with, <laughs> with a bomb strapped to him and he's eating his food and he goes, I'll just finish this and we're off to heaven, eh? <laughs> Bomb strapped here in a kebab shop. I know. Fucking hell, man. I'm really kind of underselling it, if I'm honest. It's just worth... Go watch it. Like, they're walking this room... Like, you are not underselling it. It sounds like we really... They're walking this room there in Pakistan, I think they are. Two of the main characters. And they're going to this guy's got all these chickens in these cages. He goes, what's he done to his rabbits? The chickens. The fucking rabbits. What's the rabbits? What happened to their ears? That's what I'm asking. Do you know what you should watch? Don't if point you... at me. <laughs> I pointed you. Do you know what you should watch if you have not watched it? Mm-hmm. You should watch Up in Smoke. I have not watched it. What is it? It's Cheech and Chong movie. Ah, I have not watched it. It is very funny. <laughs> it's, it's, 
very funny. <laughs> it'll it'll, make, it'll very make you funny. want to smoke a joint. <laughs> what an advertisement. That's a great advert. It'll make you want to talk up. But like, also, yeah. I went to, uh, went, I had to go up to PCO before I came here because my old charge of the wires near the cable bit are starting <laughs> to be, be exposed yeah. and smoke started coming out of it the other day, which is not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And like, I'm not the only person who like looks into the interpretation of dreams and that, but the night before I did have a dream where I nearly burned down a house because I accidentally spilled water near an extension cable or something that happened in the dream. But basically the whole stimulus was I nearly started a fire yes. and I thought if I left that, Charger plugged in any longer, I probably could have set a start in another fire. I probably could have. Was I having a premonition? Premonition? Chemicals. Yes. <laughs> so I had to go. Fucking, I didn't realise it would be 34 quid for a new laptop charger. Well, it's all, it's all these interesting. Good quality one, will you? Well, yeah, it was suited for my computer. What uh, is your computer? It's a, I don't even remember the name of the brand, but like, it comes, I put it in a plastic bag because it originally comes in this big case bag, right? And yeah. I realised that if I carried it with a wee handle, as I do, the wrestling, fan in me, the wrestling fan in me would be looking for people with t- championship belts I can cash in on. <laughs> I see that, I see that thing on Facebook that reminds me of that. It was, um, like, you, I know our, a lot of our listeners are US-based, so they won't know a lot about the old firm <laughs> and the football. But I'd seen a thing on Facebook, and I don't know if you've seen this. It, you know um, yourself, right? You know... That Rangers have been, it's been found that Rangers were overcharged by quite a significant, quite a large monetary amount by 50 million fucking quid, right? And it was uh, one of the stipulations that happened to Rangers when they were deducted points and all that shit, right? Deducted points, dropped into the low leagues, blah blah blah. It was um, a picture of like Seth Rollins running with the the money in the bank briefcase, but with Alan McCoy's head on it. It's like, look at his, well, just, you think Helicopter Sunday was funny? Watch Ali McCoy's run in, he bring in the 10 points we deducted back in 2011. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's Ali McCoy's run in all the money in the bank briefcase, you're like, ah. I remember there was a clip from a thing, it was called, uh, it was some wrestling improv show, and uh, it was Bill Kirk from East Pal saying like, I can't remember his pal name, but he, Bill Kirk was going like, wrestling can make everything better. Can you imagine this happening? Andy Murray, the first British man to have won at Wimbledon. And they play Dolph Ziggler's music, he comes out with a money bank briefcase like, my God, it's Tim Henman. No, Tim, not this way. <laughs> uh, oh, another bloody thing. Oh, is it? Aye, fucking wrestling and the mighty gels related. <laughs> you know, the mighty teddy bears. <laughs> but fucking... Well, I'm, I'm glad for our, U- for our US listeners because we may have alienated some Glasgow ones. Fuck yeah, no surrender. Sure. <laughs> I knew what the door. You said it first. I was talking about it in reference to us going to war with. We know what you're talking about, but anyhow, <laughs> he shakes his head in acknowledgement. But anyway, on with it. Did you see Drew McIntyre on Twitter? I did, sorry. Did you see the size of that bastard in the Rangers jersey? Man, mm. the fucking sleeves were nearly ripping. Wonder if he, I didn't go to the Glasgow live live event on this past Monday, I believe it was, at team recording. So he's a he's a mad Rangers fucker, so he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Grado, no, I'm dar. Grado's a Rangers man, uh, uh, Fucking score, yes. I believe the, the Coffee <laughs> Brothers, who are next to UK, they're they're Celtic guys. So, <laughs> like, I wonder if Celtic. I wonder if Drew came out in the uh, 
the Rangers show at show at the Hydro because he is meant to be here, so depending on the event, on how you divide, like I don't know if you took a poll at the Glasgow show, who here's a Ranger fan, who's a Celtic fan, depending on what the de- what the variations and percentage was, he could have either been a big face on the night or a heel or fifty fifty. Oh, I mean, he could have came out wearing a Rangers shirt, playing the. F- Fucking wear a flute playing the sash, you know what I mean? He would, he would, he would have, he would have really endeared himself to some fans. Then, like, it's one that's a weird thing. WWE doesn't seem to get the whole idea. Most towns in America have one local like sports team. Yeah. So when they show like a shot of the stadium in in America, when they cut like shots of the city they're in, people cheer. Whereas they don't seem to realize there's multiple ones. Like they keep either showing Man City where Man City play, or this play they show Old Trafford when they go to Manchester, not realizing that half the fans will cheer. And half full boo, yeah. and they made the same mistake when they came to Glasgow for Ron twenty sixteen when they just showed Celtic Park on the screen because half the half the crowd booed and half the crowd cheered. So it's like, oh, the Glasgow Celtics play there. Like, WWE doesn't seem to realise you can have more than one local sports team. WWE doesn't seem to realise no. If you show fucking Glasgow Celtic, they fucking half the fucking yeah. half the mob there will probably want to burn it. <laughs> At least you could have was shown a, a shot of Ibrox to annoy the people who cheered earlier and cheer up the people who moved earlier. You just met them all halfway and showed for Hill. Aye. Parting Thistle, you know what I mean? <laughs> Away you go, you couple of lying old bastards. Still just... I was proud of Mary Show Hampton Park or something like that. Show that drab mank hole a stadium that the Clyde Bank team play in now. Or maybe. How about this? Don't show a stadium at all. Show a pub. Yeah, I know. Show me. Huzzah! Oh, look, there's a local. Huzzah! <laughs> Chemicals! <laughs> right, we're talking fish now. Are we going to. Now? Aye, are we going to get to what we're, we're doing now? Here? Because I'll forget here now. <laughs> I forgot the whole point of this then. <laughs> ah. So, yeah, we've been here for over an hour. Long time. <laughs> Oh, not over an hour. It's felt like three at this point. <laughs> for me. Mostly your fault. My fault. <laughs> I merely mentioned Bruce as a wee side note, and then you're the one who brought up Brett and the screw job. You kept it going. I, I could have, but I, you were making good points. I was. I was. Anyway. Aye, anywho. So for those of you who have been waiting for our last hour. With bated uh, breath. Yes. I hope not for an hour. We've bated breath for an hour, they'll fucking be. Preventally, they'll be out of breath, they'll be all blue. Well, by this point, they'll probably baited sherry tainted breath. If you haven't fainted yet from holding your breath in for chemicals. so long. <laughs> Enough of the chemicals. Those <laughs> you've been waiting for over an hour, I think we're going to give you one to finally. We're moving into our finale of the last three episodes of, of season, three season three of Frasier. <laughs> So, we start our triple bill, as it were. These were going to be here for a while. We are. But we, we tend to run through them very, very, very professionally, so it won't be too long. It'll be very good. Lovely. We start with Fraser Loves Ross. Yes. It uh, starts in the booth, of course. Oh, of course, yes. Feels like a while since we've actually started in the booth. Yeah, but and I mean, he's talking to a man called... Tom? I want to say Tim. <laughs> <laughs> there are some who call me Tim. But he's talking to this gent. Voiced by David Duchovny. Oh, that was of David X- Duchovny. Yes, of X-Files yeah. and Californication fame. I, and Zoolander. 
And Zoolander, yes, I yeah. forgot he was in Zoolander. He was in Zoolander. He was the hand guy. He phones him up to say, but why male models? I just, <laughs> you serious? I, I, I just told you that a moment ago. <laughs> but we're going to get to you. I believe his name's Tom, but he's Tom, but he's worried that, like, the thing he and Tom are only, are only together because the sex between them is so good and, like, like they don't actually have anything in common. Like, well, so how long have you been together? Oh, six years. And there's the face on both Frasier and Roz. Well, Roz, Roz has a look on her face like, good on you. <laughs> And Frasier's like, fuck you. Well, he, he tries to move on. He's like, like, six years. No, he's like, but really, I mean, six, six years? Is that abnormal? Oh, no, it's, yeah, not, like, it's, not, it's not abnormal. Three three uh, times in nine. No, three times on weekends. Like, He's like, oh, is that abnormal? Oh, not no, abnormal. no, no, it's not abnormal. Not fair, fair but, but <laughs> not abnormal. Basically, he, uh, you see Roz taking another call while he's doing it. He, why don't you, he basically says, why don't you try and take a pamphlet or some of that advertising classes at the local universities. Like, take, a, take a class in the learning annex or... It's, it's find something, you're, find, find, find something. your similar interests. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, like, have a good weekend, uh, I would say the same to you, but Harley Fiend's warranted. Yeah, he's like, Harley seems necessary. Yes. And then he goes, and then uh, Ross is there, like, your brother's at the airport, and like, he's going to go, and like, I need to try and talk him through his flight. Surely he's flown before. Yes, but never in coach. <laughs> And then uh, he spots a particularly ugly-looking dress that Roz is hanging up. Mm. It's a bridesmaid dress. Like oh, it's just so the bride will look better. So I have to look horrible. And this thing she'll practically glow. <laughs> like he's one of the last friends from Wisconsin. I thought we get. I thought we'd get married before me. Ah, not the not the not the dairy state's comeliest piece of cheddar. Let's just say she works in her father's ice cream parlor. She eats her mistakes. Oh. Her fiance makes company makes cones. Well, we hardly need sticking Freud for that. <laughs> and she's like, "What?" She's like, "She's having a bit of issues with me." Like, got my advice as a friend or a psychiatrist? As a friend. A friend. See a psychiatrist. <laughs> and he's like, he gives her advice. Like, it's like going basically like, "Oh, maybe there's a reason. Like, a maybe there's reason. a reason. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're tired of all these superficial men. Maybe, maybe you're maybe someone with more substance. Yeah, maybe the reason you're not going for it is fear of commitment, fear of rejection, and all that. Something yeah. more deeper than like, like you said, he recommends a different type of man. Like, yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll just try and see, try and go out with the next guy I see. And then Bulldog <laughs> comes in and does one of the funniest things in my opinion. He walks in like, Rod, I just bit my tongue. You want to kiss it better? <laughs> the next guy after him. <laughs> And uh, he sees the dress. Oh, like, and he just takes the piss out of the dress. Like, I'm playing a, I'm, I'm a bridesmaid. Oh, I love, love hitting on bridesmaids. They all go to the dress the first they want out of them. This, this one, will be on you the floor. Hit the ground before the rice. <laughs> and uh, so Fraser meets Niles. Uh, he's back from some convention in Switzerland. And he's like, uh, I can't, I can't not go and not take, take on the slopes. So, I, I ditch the conference and who do I run to? Maris. Maris. She ran off, but I tried to follow her tracks in the show. Sadly, Sadly port- she made none. <laughs> and then he sees like when he's patient, like, oh, it's my least favorite patient, total womanizer. I'm starting to think he doesn't come for help as much to brag. He 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 says he has slept with over 150 women. 150 to, women. The last count. Last count. He treat he gives every one of them the same sycophantic nickname. Sunshine. Sunshine. To avoid confusion. <laughs> Honestly. There's six months we've made no progress, and like 150, 
Yes, surely anything more than seven. Seven. Seven is absurd. In yes, Fraser's like, yeah, I, I would say eleven, but <laughs> <laughs> like, it always has to be fair on Niles. Yes. And you just look, see the look on Niles' face and like, oh, see, he must be working on, aye, we've made no progress in six months. Ah, see, he must be making progress on number 151. Um, he turns around like, oh, God, it's God, Ross. Oh, God, it's Ross. And then Niles goes to go, oh, I'm going to try and get out of here before she makes introductions. Like, like I have and to warn her. Like, no, she is the worst kind of... He is the worst kind of man for her right now. And, like, he's, he, he wants to warn her, like, I just told you, psychiatrist, psychiatrist, so yeah, he he's kept... like, I have to warn her. How? Like, what I told you was strictly confidence. Psychiatrist is a psychiatrist. Like, because he can't be spelling what other people, Irish psychiatrists said about his patients, so... Yeah, it's like ethics and whatnot. But, but now, Ross is his friend, so now Fraser's caught in a quandary here. And then Fraser's like, but you don't understand, Niles. He is the last kind of man Ross, Ross should be with. Well, oh, I'm sure he won't be. <laughs> like typical Niles. Uh, he has to get that one wee. Yeah, that little dig. And then Fraser uh, is introduced to Ross and Ben, I believe is his name. Yeah. And you look at him like, he, he doesn't look like the kind of guy she'd be going with, but then that's the whole point of it because she's trying a new dip. You know, yeah, Fraser. she's like glad to Fraser. like, oh, well, I thought about what you said to me, and like, normally I would never go for him, but I thought, <laughs> screw it, go with it. No, I have to, and I basically said I have you to thank And then the bit comes up, right, and it really makes me, it, you know that way where something makes your skin crawl? Yeah. See in reference to what Niles was saying about him, mm-hmm. when he comes up and he brings over Rose's coffee and he's like, there you go, sunshine, and you're like, ah, oh, you sleazy fuck. I know. You know, you you like, you feel like having a shower after lunch. I know. know. Uh, you feel bad for Fraser at that point not being, you but you just... awful for Rose being so clueless, though. Yeah. You know, because she's like, it's one of the rare times when she's actually taking Fraser's advice and taking it to heart. I know she actually wants a serious relationship, but then she's been she meets a bit of the wrong guy for yeah, it. Yeah, she meets a total cockbag. Yeah, basically. And one thing we forgot to mention was uh, in the whole interaction between Ro- uh, Bulldog Ross and Fraser. Yeah. Is Bulldog uh, loaning Fraser his video camera? Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, Fraser wants to document basically his dad's life, so he's, he's so Frederick has something to remember his grandfather by, and future generations yeah, will remember yeah. Martin. Uh, so Martin comes home. So, yeah, we had the whole thing there because Fraser like yeah, realizing that he basically led her to towards him yeah, by yeah. telling her by giving her his advice, like when he probably should have kept his mouth shut, <laughs> yeah. as he usually should. But Martin comes home. We're in the home now, and he comes in. He's moaning about Freddie. Why can't you be like any dog? Is like. Keep bringing home dead animals you kill. And he brings, he gives them with some flowers. <laughs> Give me those. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm just finding somewhere to put them next to the little roses you brought home yesterday. And then uh, Fraser comes in and he tries to offer his dad. He's like, hey, why do you? Why don't we get set the camcorder? Uh, not tonight. You've been saying that for weeks. You've been saying. Jeez, no. maybe you take the hint. <laughs> like it's not for true generations. It's just. It's just like, so you have... Something to watch once I'm dead. It's yeah. creepy. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, how do I explain that to future generations? You won't document your whole life, your whole history of Martin Payne. Only you can tell because you find it creepy. Yeah. Well, okay. How can I put this? I feel that the camera would steal my spirit. Hi, I'm an... In- I'm- he tries to say he's a Native American. Yeah. Like, I feel I mean, your shiny box thing will steal my spirit. <laughs> and he leaves and... Ross comes over and like, ah, oh, Ross, you'll be forgiven for I'm waiting for your part of mess, making you think you'd forgotten our appointment. <laughs> it's like she was on the way out, and then Ben called, and then he's like, ah, oh, yes, Ben. Ben. And she immediately twigs like, like she just thinks he doesn't like him and all yeah. that, but she doesn't know why. Like, 
what's your problem? You're like, it was your advice and all that. And and Razor's just like, I know something about Ben, but then he says, but then he won't tell her. Yeah. So I think it's him saying, I know something about Ben was probably the last thing you could say because he, he knows he mm. can't tell for good reasons because of confidentiality. So because really, if you look at the characters of Fraser and Niles, like, Niles in the early seasons is a hell of a lot more ethical. And I like the whole nosebleed yeah, that like, he gets. He, 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 he so much more staunchly follows his ethics, mm-hmm. whereas Fraser, in a sense, begrudgingly follows his ethics. Mm-hmm. He might want to break his ethics, but he's like, I can't. Uh-huh. Although, I'm surprised, though, that mm-hmm. it was only ever mentioned once in an episode that whilst Niles gets the nosebleeds, Fraser gets nausea. Mm-hmm. Oh, he feels queasy as well. Yeah, yeah. And like, he doesn't get that here because it's technically not his ethics. While it's his friendship, it's not really his ethics. It's yeah. more Niles' ethics. Niles... And he's not, he's not breaking his ethics, uh, really. If Niles is the one who told Fraser initially about Ben because it happened to be his patient. So, Fraser is like, under Ross, but he wants to avoid it. He's like, she's trying to be like, well, what do you know? But he's trying to like, I can't tell you. So he goes to get his coat and she goes into the kitchen. She runs into Daphne. Like, I think mm. Dr. Crane's acting a bit strange. Oh, God. No, it's like, do you think Fraser's acting weird? Oh, God, yes. Then, then I finish my question. It's, well, it's hard not to answer when you already know. <laughs> it's hard not to hit the buzzer when you already know the answer. So, yeah, well, that's the one. And she explains that, like, I can't figure out why he doesn't like Ben. And then she. Puts all this. Uh, Daphne's the one that put over the theory that maybe secretly like, Fraser. Maybe, maybe with him. he's against Ben because he wants you for himself. And she's like, no. Like, Fraser, I, no. Come like, on. She's like, she's just trying to get away. They're like, no. You think? No. <laughs> no. You think? No. Come on. Like, he's the one who told me, and she's created the kind of man. And Fraser said she could be looking out for like more sophisticated no, like, substance over flesh. Substance over flesh. More sophistication. You could put that on Doctor Crane's tombstone. <laughs> You think, uh, and she's like, and he said like how something about your relationship with Ben was driving crazy, and something he really wanted to tell you, which out of context does sound like yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of how when you change the context of certain things, some things on TV shows, things that seem so innocent, can sound take on completely different meanings, and that really helps the story, you know. Yeah. And then like really like and like no like definitely I can't nothing can happen between me and Fraser. Like, just, I'm going to have to show him how happy I am with Ben. And Susie, he walked in, all he hears is Ben. He goes, oh, Ben, Ben. Ben, Ben. Why don't you take, forget about him for a while and pay attention to me for once. Which doesn't help the... Yeah, it kind of, it kind of, like, pushes home the idea he might fancy. Yeah, she makes her even more, like, she's yeah. thinking even more. And then the next scene, with the context of her thinking he's in love with her, like, she's she comes into the booth the next day and she's so awkward and he's trying to give her a hug. He's like, no, that's good, like, no, look, the ratings, we've been for higher in our demographic this week than we've ever been. Yeah, so he gives her a hug and she's like, nah, she's kind of standoffish. standoffish and he's like, mm-hmm. and then, it, like, why don't we take you out to celebrate and she goes, oh, I've got plans. Oh, yes. Oh, with plans with ben. ben. And then she goes, like, she's like, oh, well, I think you, thank you, you gave me the advice. She goes, I don't know if it's at this point, but he goes, me and my stupid advice. That's a bit, it's once he sits down at the booth. All right. Because I know Roz goes on the phone with her mum. Does she does she do that before he does the? Oh uh, no, they were having the, they were having the conversation. Right, and then and Fraser is. Oh yeah, sorry, I got it now. Yeah, because she goes to do the booth, and Bulldog's trying to get his camera back because he wants it for his date, the creepy bastard. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, I want to film some stuff for first day. You're like, I'll get it back to you tomorrow, Bulldog. Like, once you're home tonight, why don't you have a police sketch artist pose sit on your balcony? And then he's like, 
He actually takes it on like, it, fucking mm, idiot. Yeah. But no, Fraser and Ross start talking and it's like, like... And then, because like, he goes through and she's like on the phone to your mum, he's like, how long did you... And he over here's like, how long did you dig up before you knew you loved him? Mom, 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 let it go. You've been divorced for years. <laughs> and then Fraser knocks and stuff over and she immediately like hangs up like, oh, don't you... Well, like, you jumping just a little bit. She's uh-huh. like, yeah, well... I'm thinking of telling Ben I love him tonight and mm-hmm. Fraser knocks over the thing in a little bit of shock and she she hangs up and she's like, oh, oh, oh. She's a bit he's jumping. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I should have knocked first. Mm-hmm. You're like, you really think you're, she's trying to say like, you're not, you're not jumping a bit too fast and like, your ass is where like, like, you know, there's a lot of other men out there and then she's like, a lot of women too. And he's like, well, that's really a personal preference. <laughs> and like, I meant for you because like, she's trying to like, let him down easy even though uh, Fraser doesn't realise what she's really meaning by her. What she's saying, like, basically, like, I'm happy, like, sometimes, like, a month is all it takes to realise how you feel about somebody. Yeah. Like, I really owe it to you and your advice, and then that's when he sits and goes, He's like, me and my stupid advice. He doesn't realise. We'll be back with you after Lee's messages. No, like, he doesn't realise he's sat, he's been to start the show, he's sat down, he says, me and my stupid advice, but he doesn't realise the light is what's yeah, going on. Yeah. Like, I just realize, like the way he segues like, into me it. Me and my stupid advice. We'll be with, with you, you right next three Lee's hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then... So finally, Martin's sitting in before the camera, and um, Nails is filming like, "Oh, hi, I'm Marty Cray. When I filmed this, I was 64 years old. Now I'm dead, trapped in a box underground. Spooky. Pretty scary, huh?" <laughs> He's seen this like, "Come on, okay. What would you want to see if you're Jerrysons? Work, work hard. Family always comes first. And I have a million dollars oh, stashed in a box I stole from some drug dealers." Combination is left 13, mm-hmm. right 52, mm-hmm. left... <coughs> and then the best bit with Niles, he turns the camera around at his own face. Future generations, see what I had to put up with. <laughs> and then he leaves like, oh, I suppose we're done now. Well, unless you want future generations to see me go to the can. <laughs> I wouldn't want to see No, that. no, you definitely did not. <laughs> so, like, Fraser's like panicking, he's coming in, like, he's trying to find a loophole... To, so you can tell Ross not abused you know, he's like, yeah, he's like she's good. she was not telling me other night we have to we have to and Niles like nope 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 <laughs> he's like please Niles come on and then he's like remember what Freud said <laughs> and he either go like not being hurt uh, something a bit being he's hurt like, by ones we love like, yeah not something he's like I can't quite remember the quote I think, but then, I think, I think I'm paraphrasing I think like Pain is worse than being rejected by the ones we love or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and Niles goes, oh, okay. But that was Dirty Pole using a Freud reference. Like Crane Boy's kryptonite. So they're and going through all these like, the psychiatry he, t- books. The minute he said that, I went, really? <laughs> and I thought, like, you're a Jungian. I know, because I, I thought this as well. Yeah, like, oh, you, so I'm not the only one. I believe one. it was the, the, the uh, Fraser Crane's the author. He was like, Fraser's a Freudian, I'm a union. So we know blaming like, mothers today. today. Yeah. <laughs> But I think maybe he has, well, he doesn't uh, adhere to Freud as much as Fraser. I think he has an appreciation for Freud. I respect. As one of the founders of psychiatry and all yeah. that, he's a popular name in the field, so he obviously respects Freud so obviously it's, it's kind of easy to get uh, him on his side. I suppose. But, but, I do, but I get what you're saying yeah. and the way they present it as if they're both equally as as big a fans or admirers yeah. of Freud. It's just, you know that way with Fraser sometimes when you question something, you're like, wait a minute, you that's not what you <laughs> said. You know what I mean? Or that's not what you believe. 
So they're going through all these psychiatry textbooks trying to fill up on it. So much easier if she was incompetent. She was mentally incompetent. And they just they look up. They just look. They just look up and look at each other. And she. And like, has she been known to be aggressive? Well, she did beat up a vending machine once. When a yodel came out of the Twinkie hole. Yeah. Very good. And she have delusions of grandeur. She said she's responsible for the success of our show. <laughs> Which is a really egotistical thing for him to say. Yeah. Uh. Which is, which is egotistical, because if you look at the dynamic of the show, Rose is very <laughs> any, responsible. Uh, any erratic, erratic behaviour. She once ordered a bottle of white, white infidel. <laughs> go to her, go to her, she's in trouble. I tried to let the woman drive. <laughs> for offering white zin- ordering white infidel. Basically just using it as an excuse for him to go over. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I think when they first start arguing, Niles immediately grabs, goes towards his nose. Because he doesn't want, because he doesn't want to breach his ethics and get your nose. Yeah, uh, but I think I think, and his because Niles has a good heart, <laughs> so he's like he's like, no, if I can find an excuse that will help, <laughs> go help her. Like you know, I just like the idea. Fraser like they're using the the grasp and it basically it straws you like yeah anything uh, they can use to ethically Fra- go help. And Fraser's react, we says it over a bottle of white. <laughs> Go to her. Jeez. I must tell you people when when Scott said that he waved his arms like Nixon. There he was. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> And then so he goes over. By the time he gets there, he's already too late. And uh, this uh, this part does make me kind of sad. She's going. She's crying. And she's yeah. in her bridesmaid dress. Like she's wearing that ugly bridesmaid's dress. Her hair's all a mess, oh. and she's crying. They did make a funny joke about it, like, oh, you only have to wear it once, and then you can donate it to the Salvation Army. Make some Irish drag queen very happy. Yeah, but no, he gets there, and she's, she's crying her eyes out, and she her hair's all a mess. She's wearing that bloody thing, and the first thing she says is like, "He dumped me, Fraser." Uh-huh. And the minute she says it, and the way she says it, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, oh. well, like, come and get a cuddle. I know. You know? <laughs> but she says it, and, like, what is it? She says, like, oh, everything was going well. And then I said, I love you, Ben. <laughs> and he got a look in his eye, like Indiana Jones running from a big boulder. I don't think she, I don't think she said it like that, but that basically, I believe that's what building, like, and then he was out there, and, like, and Fraser trying to be comforting, like, when you said it, <laughs> were you we were wearing, wearing that, that, dress, that dress? Which is like, no, I was going through all these old brain dresses. More like, like that's what I am, a bridesmaid. I may as well wear the uniform. Like, that's what I am, a bridesmaid. I may as, I may as well wear the uniform. And she's like, oh, you guess you were right. Like, what, what brings you over? And like, well, basically, I was becoming irritated. One last time to convince you, it wasn't the right man for you. Like, hey, man, but look at you. Yeah, I'm a catch. Like, and he's. She's got the oh, treasure oh, with her hair and it's stuck in her hair. Like I feel so bad for the web because I've been there. She's not moving her, she's moving her whole head as she's doing it as oh, well. He's like, she's like, oh yeah, I'm such a catch. <laughs> with a brush stuck in her hair. And she's like, and then she turns out, it's the sweetest and saddest little thing when she turns out and she's like, help. And she's, she's helping, like, like and, uh, and then she's starting to realise like, she she meant like oh Fraser I know I know you've had these romantic feelings for me for a while yeah, and yeah. Fraser looks so confused like and you know deep down you think like wow she really does suffer from delusions of grandeur. No, but it's the way he has <laughs> mood changes <laughs> because she says I know you've had these romantic feelings for me and then he goes from a very soothing brush in her hair <laughs> to a very sort of like I, I imagine <laughs> maybe not maybe slightly 
maybe not as bad as Ben, but maybe you can know, think the weird expression he has faced maybe was similar to what Ben had. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. you're nice, you're caring, you're gentle, gentle. And I said, is he? And he's like, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. And like he goes to tell like, I think you're getting at the wrong end of the stick here. But then she says like, knowing that he cares and feels that way about her is the one that feeling causing it that's preventing her from like totally losing it. Yeah. So like as a good friend, he's a, he doesn't like. He doesn't quash it right and off. He's one of the things he doesn't like say the wrong thing that like he he does what he yeah, should be doing, yeah. being a good friend in that situation, and then like she's like it kind of makes sense. Like she's like she oh, okay with the idea of going to Fraser, but then she, he's trying to like she's like you are off. the right kind of guy for me. He's like oh, you know office relationships, you know that, but like, you always say the right relationships start with his friends first, but then and then she's like maybe if we went into it with our eyes open, and then she's like nah nah. Like, as soon as they get close to the light, they suddenly be like nah. Uh, and then she sits down, and then she picks up a glass of champagne and to friends. I'll bear the bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But she's like to friends, yeah. and like two friends, and she's like. I just hope the next time I tell a man I love him, uh-huh. he says it back. He said, hopefully well. Next. Hopefully well. And then she's like, well, let's see. I love you, Fraser. And he, and he just, in a very sweet way, he just says, I love you too, Roz. And they met like, that basically the best relationships they have, like, best, best relationship women, her best relationship man is weirdly their relationship together. Yeah. Even though, like, they're not really interested in being romantic. They just, it's a, we're a comfort to each other. Yeah, definitely. And he, and he says it back to her and, like, it's weird, like, I want to put this here, because they tease it again, like, this is an yeah, episode, like, yeah. I think season six, maybe, I, I, I Are maybe... you talking of, like, when, like, Fraser leaves, uh-huh. and Roz stands at the door, kind of expectant, as if he's gonna, you know, uh-huh. chat, or whatever, uh-huh. but he also kind of, uh-huh. sort of, he hangs back for a second and then he just goes, nah, nah. Because he's, he doesn't want to leave her, but like, he's like, oh yeah, I'll be climbing to have my good friend, Ben and Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. well, so, you know, there's an episode, I believe it's season six, of, um, someone could correct me if I'm wrong here, but the episode they go to that conference and she tries out that blonde wig because she thinks yeah. men are interested in blondes, but like, there's that tease because they're stuck in the same room together. There's a tease of it there and then. There's, the episode, there's an episode in season 10 where they end up doing season together, so they never actually become an actual thing. Yeah. And it's often, I often wonder if maybe that should happen, because like, the real world they won't like was between Niles and Daphne, so I think they were the ones who were meant to get together, so they didn't think about... Fraser and Roz. When you think about it, kind of made a little bit of sense. I because, suppose. Like, no offence to the character Charlotte, who we meet later, and he goes to Chicago and be with, spoilers, always, but... It was came out years ago, guys. Yeah. Like he he barely knew her for more than a few weeks at the time where he knew Ross for even at the start of the of that season there were still teases of they two together. Yeah. Because like it's one of the things like okay, like use friends as an example, the whole world they won't they was all about Ross, Ross and Rachel and that was a key focus, much like Dales and Daphne's of this series. Yeah. But you still had the Monica and Chandler relationship and like I know, I'm just using it as an example. It's okay. Calm down, don't turn into a fucking vampire just in the sun. I hated both of them. I know, but I'm using it as an example. I Shush, know, for I a know. second. You still had that, you still had two characters who knew each other, they got together, they made they made a big story thing out of it, but they were, they still were able to have the Ross Rachel thing on top of it. Yeah. So there's no reason to say they couldn't have done the Daphne da- thing and then still do Ross Ros and Fraser because by the time they did the whole thing where they slept together, they were already, I think they were already married, Niles and Daphne, so... 
really the whole Wally Wonka thing was out of the way. You didn't need to worry about them so much. I would have liked to have seen Phoebe and Joey. They were both retarded. <laughs> no, you couldn't have had two people that stupid together. They never would have lasted. They would have both died in a stupid way. Sorry, <laughs> plus I really like the character Paul Rudd played in that show. Uh, Paul Rudd's good. Right. Oh, there's a clip that keeps going around of Paul Rudd and Hot Ones, like towards the end, he's opened the ball, like, hey, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> and people keep using that clip for certain interviews, like the one where Punk, Punk talking to like Vince and that when he comes back to WWE, like, hey, look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> but getting back to it, do you think any of Freeze and Ross getting together would have harmed either the show or harmed the characters? Cause I, I think. It is one of those ones where a lot of people may have really liked the idea, mm-hmm. but I I also think it may have been a detriment to the show in the long run. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I I would have liked to have seen it. It would have been an interesting thing, but I don't think it would have helped the show in the long run. Yeah, because when you think about it, there's a section of people, and I don't want to get too into it, but the people like yourself who don't like the whole what yeah, the whole Niles and Daphne thing. It's like there was all the tease and the build up to it, and some yeah. of that's good, some of the awkwardness of Niles. And then once they get together, that's when a lot of people turn negatively on the show, whereas there are people who like it. So, given the way that the Frasier, sorry, the Daphne Niles relationship divided fans, yeah. I think you're maybe right that avoiding Frasier and Ross being an actual couple may have been the wisest decision. It may have been, because, I mean, like, Frasier and Ross as a couple, mm-hmm. it's an interesting concept to broach. <laughs> But I know I don't think it would have helped the show. Well, like, yeah, I mean, right. you've got to think as well. I mean, we're hearing so many, we're hearing so many stories now of a rebooted Fraser happening, mm-hmm. like Fraser coming back. I mean, personally, as a Fraser fan, I'm very skeptical. Uh-huh. I'm tr- I'm taking it with a pinch of salt, mm-hmm. you know, because. What kind of dynamic the show is going to have now, especially without John Mahoney? Well, I think that's the point that of it maybe using the amount of time that's passed. Some shows use that to bring on for the use the passage time to their kind of advantage. I just, I just hope that when they bring the show back, if that is definitely what's happening. Plus, like it's not really something they could really control the whole John yeah. Mahoney dying also Eddie not being a part. Obviously of it not. But like, like you said, like. Martin said I'm 64 and even in the show terms Martin probably would have been dead anyway because he was 64 in this episode and in real life John Mahoney was in his 50s yeah so like it's not so much a surprise that he wouldn't be a really part of it because he either would have been too old I think for it both in, in show time and show terms and as and as in real life yeah I just I just hope that if and when we do bring it back if that definitely is happening <laughs> I hope we follow the timeline Accurately, yeah, you know, like I hope it comes back in this time mm-hmm. frame, you know. But well, we're gonna say it because we've got two more episodes to get through. Oh, I know. So, uh, the credits are Roz is getting rid of this box with all her braid made dresses. Yeah, she she packs everything up in a box, uh, and the, 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 the man from the uh, Goodwill, I assume, mm-hmm. comes and he gets it and he looks in it. He does that thing that a lot of people would do, he looks in the box and mm-hmm. he looks. And he go he, he finds the green bridesmaid's dress and uh-huh. this thing like we haven't really said it in the episode but the thing is ugly as hell. Oh, I think we've we think we've established it's ugly. Yeah, it's ugly, ugly. But he looks at it and he's like, hmm. And then Roz is walking down the street, uh-huh. 
and walks by that particular gentleman uh-huh. in drag mm-hmm. in the dress and she's like but was he Irish though? That is the question. Because Fraser asked you to Irish drag very happy like was he Irish? We never got to hear him speak. I can only assume he may have been. If you know answers in a postcard or on Twitter at ISP Rambling. Or if you are that particular actor who had that brief moment in Fraser, contact us. We might have you on the show. Oh, that'd be weird, but yeah. That'd be First pretty question, cool. Are you Irish? Two, why not? And you'd be like, no, I'm Polish. <laughs> Give me a oh, thought, thought again for you. That, sorry. I just, I just blinded Scott with the smoke from my smoke. I can't see. I'm it's lying. Men- it's menthol, so it's healthier than an apple. Sure. Uh, so we move on to oh no we won't move on do we need to rate this episode do we rate all of them at the end or do we rate this one no I, we rate individually I would say and what you what say you I say thumbs up I a say thumbs th- up I would not I would never give this episode a double thumbs up yeah me neither but definitely a, a solid thumbs up I know it's one of the ones the supporting people do their part well for the small part they're really like Daphne doesn't play, plays kind of important role even though she's not in it a lot. Yeah, but N- she's Niles she's good. Well. Niles is funny. Martin's funny. Martin's funny. Everyone that everyone that's on screen definitely plays a part in this episode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even Bulldog. Yeah, and much as we probably would have wanted, like we probably liked it, but probably would never got a ski Fraser and Rose as a romantic thing. I did like this dynamic of their relationship. It was the center of focus. Which yeah, of all the Fraser's relationships, I don't think his relationship with Rose. To focus too often. There were can, there were the occasions like this and the episode she went off with Bill. You definitely and, sense a lot of warmth. Yeah, definitely. In the relationship, like it was, it was that kind of relationship. It was too much of a relationship to be a relationship, if you know what I mean. So yeah, definitely give you a thumb, single thumbs up. But we move on to an episode where I doubt we'll maybe rate it as favorably. No, we'll, we'll see. It is the, the focus, focus group. Yes, where where we see a. A whole different side of Frasier. Yes, a completely different side of Frasier. Completely and then, different. I think we see very different, varying sides of Frasier in all three episodes. Uh, yeah, we do, the, we one, do. One in the last episode is some, more similar to the one in the first episode we talked about, but it's very different from the one we see him in this one. Yeah. So we just see... A very, a very neurotic and irritating yeah. Frasier in this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get into why. We're in the home this time, and it's Frasier... No, Frasier Not Mark. the booth. Not the best. Ah, oh. we've starting a lot of episodes in the home in this season. You notice that, yes. and it continues going into the next season. Well, as well, it's a lovely home. It is a lovely home. Not as good as Niles' home. No, not as good. But it's a lovely home. The Montana. The Montana. But, I will simply be Doctor Niles Crane, the Montana. Well, you're getting sidetracked yet again. Uh, it's, yes. it's Martin and Daphne sitting at the table, and Daphne's like sitting there fiddling a bit with a yeah. fork, making Daphne, a noise. Daphne's sitting there going. And then Martin takes a bit of bread or something and sits it underneath the fork to stop her noise. And then he goes, something on your mind? <laughs> She's more upset by Joe that her and Joe can't celebrate their six-month anniversary. Cause He's going with his week. friends to Las Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Make sure he sees this show, The Tablet's History of the World. <laughs> oh, yes, that's what I wanted to do at our anniversary. Go see a spike show in Vegas. No, it's very tasteful. Except for the bit of the end where Ava Braun and... Ava, Ava Braun and Eleanor Roosevelt settled World War Two by wrestling and pudding. <laughs> and I'd, have, I'd have paid to see the war finish like that. No, no, no. Wouldn't you? Why, why should all political disputes be settled that way? 
what wrestling well, all, and pudding. Well, all major world disputes, not just political ones. Yeah, just wrestle and pudding. Mm-hmm. The winner is right. But, but all this evidence that I'm right, did you win the pudding match? No, then you're wrong. That should be our forfeit if we lose. I don't we should see, wrestle and pudding. I don't want to see the guys from Rogue Opinions wrestle and pudding. Because that very image is putting me <laughs> off my dinner. <laughs> but we'll move on. Because Nails comes in and his features game in. Uh, Niles is annoyed about some alley art gallery do- dealers trying to rip him out like oh, this is going to be a long story fairly walk and talk <laughs> he's talking about how he I was at an art exhibition <laughs> and I I'm suddenly my canopy I was startled and my canopy went from my hand and suddenly became airborne how how they noticed a flick of a tiny how they noticed a tiny bit of fog on a Jackson Pollock I'll never know now the gallery owner is trying to bill me to have it restored I seem to remember you had a number of a very good art restorer. Oh yes, you did a great job when Eddie licked my Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie licked my Lichtenstein. Try saying that three times fast. Lichtenstein, 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 Lichtenstein. Ha ha ha! I was actually saying including Eddie, but but okay. Eddie Lichtenstein, Lichtenstein, Eddie Lichtenstein, Lichtenstein, Eddie Lichtenstein, Lichtenstein. But you can do that when you're yeah. a pitch, pitch though. I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. <laughs> That's fucking fun. Yeah. It's got a mind of its own. That's fucking box. That's sitting on it. It's such a Scottish way to say that. It's got what? that fucking box. No box. Box. Uh-huh. Like so your uncle, your dad, your dad or your uncle would say. Anyway, move on. Uh, is, I... is Fraser a cunch in this episode? <laughs> Yes. Aye, he's a cunch. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so he gives him the number and like, you get he fo- the guy phones him. He's like fourth. Oh, oh I'm stepping ahead. Sorry. Yeah. He's just like, you free for lunch? No, dinner perhaps. I've got this focus group. There's yet to be something called a focus group. Like, I don't get what he says. That there's yet to be something called a focus group. Surely, as a psychiatrist, they would know what a focus group was. Surely, surely so. so I think there are versions of psychiatry that would deal with like groups of people, like yeah. or, a fo- or sort of focus group format. So the fact that he doesn't know what a focus group is, well, I can I can maybe maybe elaborate mm-hmm. slightly. I mean, you look in psychiatry, right? Uh-huh. A focus group in psychiatry may be something vastly different to a, a like a. a uh, media-based social mm-hmm. group. So you may be like, well, I know what a, I know what a psychiatrist social group is, but mm-hmm. what's a media social group? Yeah, uh, social focus group. Mm-hmm. You know, there maybe just be a little crossing of the lines there. Possibly, like they're taking these average average workaday schmoes and shitting into my show, and now I have to to change my show based on their opinions. <laughs> and then uh, I'm like, I don't know what you're worried about. I I took part in a focus group once. You that? The final nail being buried, nailed into my coffin. <laughs> oh yeah, it was this new frozen snack, the meatball with the cheese injected right in the mm. center of it. I would have ate that. Ah, as nature intended. Yeah. And then that's when Nails gets the uh, the phone call. Four thousand dollars to wear, take me a tiny bit of liver. <laughs> well, I have something to say to you, sir. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's trying to phone him back, and then Daphne's putting on the sleep. I assume some Jerry Springer type show. Yeah, she's sitting there watching her program, and Niles like, "Oh, for goodness' sake! <laughs> last thing I need with all this is someone watching this crap." Like, only people lower than life, the people who go on that show are the people who watch it. But you mean like me? Because like she's already in a bad mood over the show thing, so this is yeah. not a time to pick a fight with. Definitely. Like, 
and Niles immediately realizes he's a fan, like, oh no, not you, like, oh, like, like surely someone, like, oh, that's how you don't like the idea of sensationalizing people's problems, yet you get rich from them. Yeah. Like, surely even you should be able to see the difference between the sensationalist version of people's problems and psychiatry. True. Oh, someone like me, and you're an idiot like Daphne, and she starts calling them, like, pretentious and all that, and just yeah. starts throwing insults back and forth, and there's only about, like, Oh God! What are we doing? Like I'm, and they're both so bad. Oh no, it's my fault. I thought like yeah. I'm just upset about Joe and all that. And like she, she, she apologizes and she leaves. And then he's all like, he's all he's excited. A, he's a proper weirdo. That's yeah, the, like, yeah. He's like, I've got Chloris. But like, let's face it, like, Niles was quite weird at times. Insults, throwing back and forth. I said, left somewhere spittle on my forehead. Ugh. Niles, this is going to be a long description. Fairly, walking dog. <laughs> and, a lot of uh, walking and talking in this one. Yes, Razor has little time for Niles's problems. Yes, his folder all. Mm-hmm. But very Fraser-esque statement there. Folder all. So, so he was when this focus up. These people gathering the table and then listening to the ending of one of Fraser's shows, and then yeah. it's like, oh, don't worry about that glass. Like the only people there are back there are <laughs> Dateline, so be sure to speak freely. And uh, we look at the rods behind the glass. If anyone says something negative about me, I'll kill myself. <laughs> but she's so she's so weak in that like, everyone says anything negative about me, I'll kill myself. And then she's like Fraser's like, Oh, come on, uh, it's hardly healthy to seek praise from every Tom Dick or Harry and then some guy goes, I liked I liked everything about it. On the other hand <laughs> And everybody's so like positive. Everybody about is it. like a bunch of fucking sheep. Like I they all seem to love it, like and Fraser and and Roz's heads are getting so big from yeah, all this pain. Like, yeah. really like, he really seems like he knows what he's talking about. He really cares about his colours. Like, like, I like Roz. I like the throaty laugh. She's got such a nice voice. Like, I didn't realise I had a throaty laugh. And then the guy, the analyst guy's like, I noticed it too. I'll stop. And then she starts overly doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it, but there you go. Yes. And uh, what about you, uh, Manu? Manoop? Manoop. Manoop. Uh, Who is played by uh, the very, very awesome... Mm-hmm. Tony Shalhoub. Yes. Uh, from a uh, monk fame for most monk people. And Men in Black. And Men in Black and many other things. And many other things. Too many 13, to 13 Ghosts. Tony ah. was in that. Tony Shalhoub's awesome. Coming soon, Paul reads Tony Shalhoub's IMDb page. Damn skippy. No, <laughs> he, was, like, he was uncredited in Man 2 and this thing. Yeah. But he's like, I, I, I have nothing I, to I, say. I have nothing to say. Like, come on, like, Basically, he doesn't like him, but he's just too polite to him. He's like, well, I, 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 I just don't like him. Like, I don't like him. And then there's people like, I really like this. Yeah, I'm going to watch it even more. And then Buzz behind the glass going all like, oh, Fraser, can you believe it? This is great. And Fraser's just like, he's obsessing over he's what like, he said. I just don't, don't like, like him. him. How can he not like me? Who is this guy? This, this rogue. This rogue person. Yeah. Like, is he... He says something more so, Fraser-esque. Basically, but... something about him being going against everybody else's opinion. Like, his name's Manu, being married, no kids, he owns a newsstand. And I was like, wow, it's so weird to see someone's life summed up like that. Ross Doyle, radio producer, single. Yeah, <laughs> she does her mad laugh again. Like, Manu, come back to you, like, and it's the guy, probably this guy's fault, the guy moderating it, because he's pushing Manu while knowing that Fraser's yeah. like, watching, well, the guy, the guy Hosting the folks group knows Fraser's watching like why, why do you not like him I don't know I just, I just don't, don't like him. him and then so like in the end of the Fraser's still like obsessed with it and then uh, the coffee uh, comes in so I take a break so Bulldog comes in like uh, 
Oh, I thought you were looking at your focus group across the hall. Oh, uh, it's much the same. Guys love me, women pretend not to. Oh, your group's even not good than ours. Our, session, our, our group seems to love us. And then Bulldog starts laughing because this guy is taking his sleep teeth. Yeah, and like, no matter what I think, there's no one back into it. He's like, like, come on, you're so immature. I'll bet he eats what he finds. Oh. Yep, yep, yep. And then the guy eats what he uh, finds. Like, and uh, Fraser and Ross are like, yeah, like seriously. They like think they're too sophisticated for that. <laughs> like, it, uh, it is a man's food that is in his teeth if he wants to eat it. We tell how you get, get those enchiladas you probably had for breakfast. <laughs> and so then we get back to the home where Nails comes over. He's like, ah, Dad, I see him by your dressed windbreaker. I suggest you're running for dinner. Yes, I'm suggesting we eat at the timber mill. I got a coupon that expires tomorrow. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to eat there, I will too. And then uh, Stephanie was, yeah, and she's still in a vulnerable position after the whole Joe thing, so don't try anything. You'll have a repeat of this morning. Oh, we wouldn't want that. <laughs> and then he's trying to insult her, but nothing's doing walking like chips, Stephanie. You know what they say too many chips means chunky hips. <laughs> I like no, I'm, I wouldn't mind if I put on a few. Joel stop telling me, wanting me to plump up. And then as I look like, okay, that didn't work. Yeah. And then Vader comes in looking all dejected and sad. Like it's one thing to hear have negative press. It's another thing to stand there and be personally attacked. One guy even said, I just don't like him. Yeah, how is that being personally attacked? I know, especially when he gets into how much praise he got from other people. Like, and now it's just thinks of it goes only one. Mm. I'm healing with humor. But you. You get a sense of just how fragile his ego his is. His ego is, you know what I mean? Because yeah. like he gets he gets so much praise, everybody fucking slavering over him, and this one guy says, "I just don't like him." No, like it's one of the things. Maybe it's the thing he can't explain. Like you just there are people you just don't like or shows it that you just can't like. You can't get into, and like the thing there's is, there's probably plenty. There's probably plenty of people who don't like our show, <laughs> but you know what? And yeah, <laughs> if we don't like it, don't listen. Like, it's one of those things where, like, it's one of these things that a lot of us today, I think people nowadays, there are people, myself included, sometimes will focus on the, the negative than the positive. Yeah. Like, they're doing something really well, but then they made one mistake and they'll obsess over a mistake. And so, like, it's not as uncommon as you think, but, like, it's just the way Frasier goes about it that makes him particularly unlikable. Yeah, it makes, it makes him very, very... Mm-hmm. And characteristically, unlike Fraser, he yeah, becomes a very nippy sweetie. <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. Actually. A very nippy sweetie. Like he's like one of it, and like, oh, I'm sure some at least one person said something nice. Oh well, the other eleven seem to get seem to love it. What? And Martin's like, what you complained about then? Basically, like you well, got eleven out of twelve. Like FDR didn't get that much approval, or Winston Churchill for that matter. So then Niles takes to try and insult Winston Churchill, see if that all annoying like. And she just agrees with him. Mm. He's like, oh, fuck. Like, like, what is he about? He doesn't like me. He's obsessing over, like, they try to get me forget about, like, why do you, why does everyone have to like you? Like, you yeah. can't, like, not, you can't please everyone. Which is, Martin, which is a this, this is just like your school play. Hey, you got one, everybody loves you, you got all this praise. One lad in school play, but you suck for, for a week. How can you not suck by saying, Dr. Crane's role in Bye Bye Birdie made this reviewer say Bye Bye Breakfast. breakfast. That, that review was, was kind. Like, that's right. half of what I was going to say. That's, oh. that's nice compared to my first draft. <laughs> and like nails, and you're like, ah. Oh. Typical nails. Typical nails. Uh, like you said, like, he's just focusing on like... But he, become, he becomes almost obsessed with this guy's negative comments. It's one of these things, like, 
Yeah. And it, it was it wasn't even a negative comment. It was actually, in my opinion, quite a really the nicest thing you, way you could put it. It was the nicest way you could put it. It was like it was a kind of like non-statement. The guy didn't even want to say he didn't because he didn't want to offend anybody. Oh, uh, it was like it was almost like I say a non-statement. Like, I just don't like him. I know, and it's funny. Like, it's more rel- It's just as relevant now, or even more so now than it was during this episode. But like the idea of not being able to please everyone. Yeah. And that's just so true in most places and most views like avenues of life but especially Fraser, in entertainment right? Fraser who is supposedly quite a well adjusted man about time, town type mm-hmm. he weirdly obsesses over this tiny little thing of, this non statement this guy has made like, I just don't like him I know. and you think you're a renowned psychiatrist you're on, why are you obsessing over this basic non statement this little man Mm-hmm. Said like what? Um, what has this man done P- to offend you? So you go on about your PhD. He's just a simple man who owns a newsstand. Forget who, what he who thinks. He doesn't like you. I know. And Leave the man alone. I know. Like but anyway. So then, Peter's going on obsessed about, it and they're trying to say, like forget about. It. Let's just go to dinner, and that's like I get you. Like she talks to you, a similar thing. Like she obsessed over mistakes she made in some talent show or something like that. One time, like, like, and then. Miles tries to rile her up again, like calling her an idiot, and like, and she's like, "No, you're sitting here, Doctor Crane." And then Fraser interjects, kind of ruining Nels's fun. Like, now, Nephi, I know you're in a vocal position with Jill, but considering Nels' perspective, you no, know, being separated from Maris and all that, and like, you're right. I'm sorry, Doctor Crane. Now, nothing you say will make me upset with you. And Nels just looks at Fraser all angry, like, oh, "I guess I had that coming." It's like, fine, let's just go. Let's go out to dinner. And he, did, he did have it coming because yeah. you've been a tip. So they go out to dinner. And then they park near that guy's new son and goes, there he is, the man who doesn't like me. The way he said, like, and Marge goes, I know we should have taken two cars. Yeah. Can we not, can we not be parked here? Nails is all afraid about the, about the neighbourhood there and like, Nails, like, relax. The docks are two blocks from here. So is the Ritz. Yes, that means we're halfway between heaven and hell. hell. <laughs> can we at least take Dad's disabled parking spot thing out the window? That shows we're incapable of fighting back. So are your <laughs> suspenders. <laughs> Major like like it's just too vague the way that's his issue the way I'm saying I just like him he's just too vague when like he's something specific that yeah. they make he can work on like he he needs he he needs to badger this man uh-huh. and but, like like why are you so obsessed with what this man thinks why do you need to badger this poor guy over nothing I know it's like he's, he said like I can't go over his cell because like you guy was promises his his stuff would be like confidential and all that. Yeah. So he convinces his dad to, to go over and do it. Like, go over and do it. So like, oh, but don't see my dad. See like, some businessman from like Cleveland, and, yeah. and you're feeling a bit depressed. But you're still like, he thought my. He's like, you see my ever from my show. And like, this guy is smart as he looks, and see what he says. Right, fine, I got it. Then, so he just goes over and goes, look. Hey, I'm Marty Cream. My son's Fraser Cream. He's in that car. He's over in that there. car over there, and he's like, and then the guy's like, oh, oh no, oh no, they lied. They lied. They lied to me. They lied about the confidentiality. They lied about the, confidentiality. They lied they lied about about the free gift. He thinks all a fanny pack goes. This is a tote bag. bag. What the hell is a fanny pack? I hope people don't find our impression of Manu offensive. Like, this is just. We're doing sound- our best. This is what he sounded like. We're trying yeah. to be accurate. Like, it's like when we try and do Daphne, we do her accent. Yeah, he's like, what the hell is a fanny pack? <laughs> you know? And he's like, but he wants to know. And he's like, no, I like your son. No, I, you don't. Like, I, come on. I do. I like him. I like his show. No, you don't. I like you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you think you don't like him. I do like him. Like, come on, just tell us and we'll, we'll never see you again. Like, and he's like, well, 
I, 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 I have, I have nothing against your son. I like him, but I find him just a little bit annoying. All right, fine, we can work with that. Just please apologize to your son that I'm sorry he. I, I he, find him so annoying. annoying. <laughs> All right, and he just leaves. And see, like, what you feel bad for the guy? You're like, God damn, he's being badgered at his fucking place of business. I like. See, I feel Martin could have done more in a minute here to prevent what happens next because he gets in, like he goes right in there, like not yet, not yet, not yet. Unlock, and he says, Martin, Martin could have just done what he does in future episodes. He could have just lied. I know that's what I'm saying. Like he tells him, like oh, apparently you annoy him, and Fraser starts like, he's about to pull out, Ugh. and uh, he's like, well, what, did, what about me annoys him? He goes, well, I didn't ask. So then, don't you just want to slap Fraser in the fucking head in this episode and go fucking wake up, you silly bastard, and let the guy be? I know. And like I said, Martin like talks about like how like people don't give him credit for how smart he is being a policeman and all that. And he's a smart guy. Like, yeah. why didn't he just lie? Yeah, just bullshit. Him. Make something up. Think of something that annoys like Fraser annoys him half the time. Yeah. So think of something that annoys him a bit and just try and insert it there. Yeah, just use your sense. I know. But no, he just like, tells him, "Oh, he annoys you." But what about him? And but man, he annoys him. Well, he did say something about not like an old man eat. <laughs> so then Fraser ends up going over which makes things even worse like hello yeah. you were talking to a businessman from Cleveland a minute ago he's like no 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 I don't think I was <laughs> no, he's like, <laughs> he, 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 he's like no he's over there in that car and he's like oh no it is you're him like I like you I like you very much I like you, you very much <laughs> no, I, no you don't we're close now and then he accidentally spills something on the guy he, spill, he spills yoohoo on him uh-huh. and then he 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 accidentally. He's Martin just coming out of a fuck's sake. Yeah, and then he manages to guy's... bring the shutter on his newsstand down on his fucking hand. Which I don't know how else because the guy's got one hand on this shutter, his hands on the counter, and Richard just knocks slightly on the thing because he's pulling down, and then he just drops on his hand. I don't yeah. know how that happened. But he smashes his hand. And he's like, "Oh, let me help you. I am a doctor." And he's like, "No, no, I will go to the gas station and put <laughs> some ice on it." Okay. And then the Niles and Martin are sitting in the car. And Niles is, looking, Niles is looking over like that, and Martin is sitting in a car with his hand over his fucking head, and he's, Niles is like, he has crushed the man's hand, and, and now, now he's commandeered his newsstand, and Martin just goes, uh-huh. Uh, there was a bit earlier when in the car, like, I don't like to look at some of these ruffians around here, like, what, I mean, the, like, the UPS man or the kids playing in the puddles? <laughs> no, he's like, he's, he's crushed the man's hand, and now he's commandeered his newsstand. Uh-huh. And then he's got some, like, an ashtray or something. Yeah, yeah, he had a cigar or something. Uh, I think it was still slightly lit, so Fraser moves it out the way because he's, yeah. like, smoking. And then some woman, he's, woman goes and buys a paper, and, like, then she's all complimentary. She immediately recognises it's Fraser, and, like, she's all complimentary, like, oh, I get a bit tired of hearing people say how much they love you and that, like... Yeah, Fraser's ego goes uh, into overdrive. Like, oh, occupational hazard, like, what are you doing here? And he tries to explain it and all... All, all the while, he's not paying attention to what's going on in the man's fucking right, newsstand. He steps is... out of the newsstand, yeah. and then the woman notices there's smoke coming out. Like, is that smoky? Well, some would call it smoky. Like, no, they're like, oh dear. And then and then the fucking flames fuck. go up. And then uh, and it cuts back to Nels, and now he seems to have set his newsstand on fire. Uh-huh. And then it cuts, it cuts to... and the newsstand is destroyed. It's completely burnt to the ground. All and the, the poor man's sitting there all dejected and his shit. hands wrapped up and Hands that. wrapped up and shit. And then... If I, if I may, I will take the flag for the bad impression here, if you but, will. But, like, Fraser comes in and tries to say him, tries to be of some kind and eat yeah. spite what all he's done, and, like, yeah, he's like he promises uh, to, like, be financially responsible for his newsstand and shit like that. And then he goes, all this because you wanted to know why I did not like you? Okay. Well, you were very vague. 
and you come here, you badger me, <laughs> you stalk me, you spill you, you spill you who all over my dockers, <laughs> you crush my hand, and you burn down my newsstand, a I, gift given to me by my, my, my livelihood given to me by my uncle. May he rest, rest in, in peace. peace. All because you need to know why I did not like you. Okay, I will tell you why. I think you are a smart. I think you are a smarty pants. I was too polite to say anything. But then there's like you're badgering me. Like, He's like, well, was that so hard? Hard. And he then just he fucks off. Fucks off and leaves the guy sitting there all dejected with his head in his hands, with oh. his livelihood destroyed. Oh no, he just fucked off like, oh well, I got what I needed. And fucks yeah, off. fucks off and leaves the guy sitting there in amongst the ruins of his fucking business. I really think you, at the end of it, you think you total dick. I know. I really think that's a bit an end of an episode. Three, but Fraser, you're an utter. You're prick. an utter egotistical cunt. I, I, I was a bit of call my cunt, but yeah, he, he's a total a total douchebag, man. And I like to think all the while, well, what would have made this even worse was to be if Niles and Marm were still in the car and they went, okay, let's go to dinner now. Yeah, but, I but, mean, he probably did as well. Oh, but we forgot about the bit where he's trying to give him, like, all these details about his dad, all the details of the false backstory, and like, okay, then can we go to dinner? Yes, fine, Dad. God, you can be so obsessive about things sometimes. Totally. The fucking pot kettle, the cheek of that man. But, God, he's a total... This is the one episode in the entire run of Frasier where I think the guy is a complete... Because he has cuntyish episodes when he acts like cuntyish, but like this one, this is this, cake, this is the worst of all of them. And then we get to the closing credits where Rose and that analyst guy are in the room and, uh, and, and, and bulldogs on the other side eating popcorn. Just the cows are just watching him like a weirdo. Uh, and then good old bulldog. Ah, uh, what a pair. <laughs> But no, it's ridiculous, man, the way Fraser behaves in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely ridiculous. So, Paul, if I was to push you for a rating, a down? A down. See, this is the thing. I was going to be a million to down because of some of the other stuff that happens. Like, some, there are some funny moments, but, you know, I'm, I'm, after talking about it, I'm, yeah. I'm a firm Fraser's behaviour in this episode is so good, and I'm going to use a big word here. Okay. So egregious, so, fitting word. Yeah, a word Fraser would appreciate. I it's think. ridiculous the way he behaves in this episode because throughout the whole run of the series, right, mm-hmm. the whole run of Fraser, he portrays himself as such a moral and mm-hmm. proper man. But in this episode, he is not moral or proper. He fucking like the man says, he badgers him. Mm-hmm. He pushes the issue for no fucking reason other than his goddamn ego. Because he's hand to get fucking crushed, he burns down. He burns his... the man's business down, spills shit all over him. Mm-hmm. You know, and just to find out why this man decided to say, oh, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Have a fucking sense and move on. Mm-hmm. But Fraser's attitude and Fraser's behaviour in this episode does not paint him in a very good light. If you have, like, if you're what the kind of person who focuses on, like, the neck struggles to. Even when there's positives, to not focus on the negatives. Yeah. Watch this episode and as an example of what not to do. These are the, yeah. this is a cautionary tale. Like, there's there's an inflated ego, there's neuroticism in this episode. There's like like almost paranoia from Fraser. Yeah, you know what I mean. From this obsession to find out exactly why this. You know, and I I don't mean to use the word insignificant to belittle the character. You know what yeah. I mean, but it. An insignificant opinion. Uh, you know what I mean? I just don't like him. But like, it's one of the things, like, you talk about how big of a fan he is of Freud, and Freud always went on about ego. Yeah. And yet, Fraser seems to have 
Every single episode has one of the biggest egos. Yeah, in this episode, his ego is as big as the fucking Goodyear blimp. <laughs> nah. But we'll move on, Paul, because... Well, that that to... is a definite we've had an up, and now we've got a definite... Oh, but what, what, where will we rate the next episode? Oh. We'll rate it like that. Wiggly oh, thumbs. Oh, wiggly thumbs. <laughs> but now we are on to You Can Go Home Again. Yes. And fucking Paul, out of these three episodes, only one has started in the booth. Is this one in the home Because we start in the home. <gasps> Kill surprise. And a spoiler alert, guys. The first episode of season four also starts in the home. We never left. What is happening? Anyway, moving on. So, the episode one's it's Daphne in the house by herself. She's on the phone to her mum while she's yeah. tidying up a bit. And she's basically using... She likes to use Fraser. She paints Fraser's overbearing boss just as an excuse to not have to see her family. Yeah, but like, for, she's like, oh, I'd Dr. Train, to. he's an auger. He's so mean to me. Like, I'd love to, but he won't let me take a vacation. Mum, I'd love to come see you, but... Yeah. And, then and Fraser, as she's saying this, Fraser's going and slams the door and she's like... I'm trying to get yeah. out of a home visit. And he's like, ah, okay. And he's like, she's like, no, mum, he's such a tyrant. And then he plays up and he's like, Daphne, Where's bring my... me my dressing gown. Come in. Oh, yeah, he's very cheap as well. That better not be Where a long distance call. I got to go, mum. And then. Yes, he does sound like Aunt Margaret. <laughs> and, and then. He's like... And then he. And Fraser seems to be just smiling when, he, when she hangs up. Uh, and, like, she paints him almost as, like, this Scrooge style character. Yeah. And weirdly enough, I think I was thinking about this during the show, during the, while I was watching this episode. Gilster Garman would make a great Ebenezer Scrooge when you really think about it. Cause especially, I think he played him on Broadway once. Maybe. But like, because his reaction after he listens to the tape that we'll get to, and how positive he suddenly is after he listens to it, is kind of like Scrooge the day, on Christmas Day after yeah. the V-Goats have visited him. But she hangs up the phone and mm-hmm. he's like, like you, must, you must think I'm a terrible daughter. No, not, not terrible. He's like, oh, you're very, you're a very substandard daughter. You're a terrible <laughs> <What>? actor. <laughs> like, she's like, why is it so hard to love your relatives? Why is it so hard? Why is it easy to love your relatives but hard to like them? And like, she's like, oh, I always know, I know what would happen if I went home. You know, you know, with a big reunion at the, the airport. airport. And then on the way home, we tell all our business and all our stories, and then we go back. We realize we had nothing to say to each yeah, other. We just spend a week with nothing to say to each other, and then she's trying to talk about. She wants to go a week vacation, but she thinking about going to like, Alcapulco or something like that. Yeah. He's like, she's like, I just don't know where to go. And he's like, well, I think I know what I can say to you, Daphne. And he's like, hasta luego. <laughs> like, much, much like when he's talking to uh, Bob on the phone, he's like, like saying to him, we go to Hawaii. Uh-huh. I'm actually thinking, there's a thing in the booth in this episode, but is it open in the book or is it open with Daphne on the phone? Because I know he comes back to the home. Does it actually open in the booth? It does open in the booth. I think we've, how, how we have we get mistaken. This wrong? How did we get this wrong? Yes. I, I, will, I will let the people hear. Yes. Slap on the back of a hand. Bad yeah. us. Yeah. But he, he finishes off with his e show. I, I don't know if he had a really notable call. I don't think he did. Probably not. That's why we didn't remember it. <laughs> yeah. But see, we're we are not infallible people, you know what I mean? I mean, we remembered the Daphne scene very well, we just didn't remember the order it happened in. We remembered the Daphne scene very well because it was a good scene. It was a good scene. It was a good scene. But then, like, the show... Bring uh, me my dressing gown! The, the episode, it starts in the booth, he does the call, uh, and uh, 
it's his three-year anniversary of doing the show. Yeah. And uh, Rod's... That's what it bloody was! What? Yeah, the show starts and I'm doing that and it's three-year anniversary and him and Ross give each other gifts. gifts. And she gives him, she like, gives him a tape of his first ever show. And he he loves he it. He gives her like, earrings. Like he he he, lo- he loves these gifts. And he's like, oh god, can you believe it's three years? Do you ever think I'd make it this far? Hell no. And then it makes his next note quite ironic. Like, to Ross, my producer who always believed in me. Like, yes, sir. Special From Hallmark's irony section. section. And she the earrings and he loves. And he's like, and they're blue. Mm-hmm. Match your, your lips when, when they're, they're cold. cold. <laughs> So then he does that. I don't think anything else really happens. No, no, no. But so then, then we cover the bit we covered. And then he goes up to the... Uh, he goes up to his chair, but which he didn't really just sit up there too often. He didn't often, no. So he goes up and sits there and he puts the tape in and he goes, listen to it. Yeah. And while Daphne's away looking at her brochures and that for a yeah. holiday. And he's like, this... On the tape you I hear it and he's like, this is Dr. Fraser Gray. It's really overdue. If you can feel... I can heal. And he just... He and just then, just, like, I, in the process, Eddie jumps up next to him. He's like, strap yourself in, Eddie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Because, like, he's just... Like, he's just like, oh, God, what did I sound like then? Because he's really overdoing it. And, like, yeah. I really... As much as I hated how Fraser acted in the first the episode just before this, I really empathised with him in this one because yeah. I feel that whenever I listen back to an old podcast, like, even yeah. one from, like... A, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Let alone our very first one. Like, I tried to listen to our very first one a wee while back. Couldn't get past the first time. It's like, I can't listen to that. I sounded great, though, right? I'll move on. <laughs> but, like, nobody, new. nobody likes listening back to their own voice or their own actor. Some actors really hate watching themselves back. Yeah. So, I think... Whereas you, some actors or actresses get a total boner listening to themselves. Like, it doesn't... So, I can kind of empathise with how he feels because I've been involved in a lot of podcasts I still hate the idea of listening to my own voice half the yeah. time but he listens preaching to the choir here man yeah no he listens to it and like it flashes back and is it just me that thinks his hair is a bit different in this flashback or is that just me yes because he's not wearing a pathetically terrible wig yeah, he doesn't have, doesn't have his professor hair yes but he, he comes in and he's getting ready for his first show and he's all giddy but he doesn't he's really all know giddy, how much and he's, he's faffing and footering with the mics and with his little cue cards. With all these different like, ideas for introductions. All like, involved. Like, he's going ex- through and he he's like... It doesn't explain how he, why he's going to go into a radio show. Did we ever get that explanation as to why he chose to do a radio show? Not really, no, no. But he's, he's faffing and he's trying to come up with ways to start. And he's like, I am Dr. Fraser Crane. Put your head in my hands. And he's like... Nah. And then he, he starts doing these weird vocal exercises. And he's like... like Little Al lived in the Glen. Well, I am afraid of you. <laughs> I am afraid of you. To wit, to wit, to who, to who. To wit, to whom, not to wit, to who. And you say, and you say, who the hell are hello. you? And Roz walks in. I, I, he turns around as he said, and to say, he turns around and sees Roz, and who the hell are you? And she's like, hi, Dr. Crane, I'm Roz, I'm going to be your producer. She, she doesn't have much time for him when they first meet. Yeah, she's like, yeah, whatever, I'm your producer. Like, but, but, but what about Dave? Like, I did a mock show. So, with Dave, mock interviews, mock calls. Dave left and please stop saying Mark. Like, like Miss Doyle, I'm sure you're a very competent producer, but really, I I would prefer Dave. I'm, I mean, maybe talk to management. I would prefer Dave. Means you have 15 years experience. That makes two of us. But, but like, you know, I really feel more comfortable. Like Doctor Crane, Dave dumped you. Dave dumped you, and then he does the saddest. Like, he's like, why? <laughs> Wait, we stayed, we stayed to two in the morning talking about my views on psychiatry. 
Yes, and the mystery deepens. <laughs> and uh, like, it's just a silly. Why? She's like, uh, uh, she's like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give you a screen in your calls, and I, oh no, no calls for me. I want my show to feel spontaneous, <laughs> and and we we find out even more reasons why Dave left. <laughs> and, he, and he sits down like, and he's all busy with the things like yeah. he would do, like, hello, hello, the, the doctor, here's your screen show. You can feel. I can, can heal. heal. Just something more than Dorsey Kalen phrase when I'm doing that. <laughs> oh my. Oh, I shouldn't have drank those chemicals. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but, so, like, he his first caller. Hello, I'm not afraid of you're nothing. You're on the couch. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I mean, the metaphorical couch. Wait, why don't you just tell me your problem? Well, it's about my husband. I don't know if there's any leans back, like, Oh come on, please tell me. Like, don't be yeah. embarrassed. And he falls back and he's thinking his headphones off so he can't hear her call. Yeah. And he puts it back on. But I don't know what to do about this. You know, sometimes it's good to repeat your problems and it's just one sentence. My husband is dead. Maybe go back to the wordy version. Yeah, she hangs, hangs up. up. We'll be back after this and then because see Rod's on the phone. Yeah, of course I can do a gardening show. If I can go, if I can grow plants in my college dorm, I can do a gardening show. Are you trying to get transferred? I'll call you back. <laughs> like, sorry, look, Doctor Crane. Like, I'm the. Please don't be offended. Like, but this, I really just think that character's kind of, you know, bull. Bull. Oh, bull. Like, please don't be offended. Oh, why should we be offended? I'm only just uprooted my home of fifteen years, moved half away from everyone I love, starting into a frightening new career to a producer who's now trying to get transferred. Abe Lincoln had a brighter future when he picked up his opera tickets. Yeah, he's like Abe Lincoln had a brighter future when he picked up his tickets at the box <laughs> office. And he goes to storm out, and then just Roz just carries her, puts her headphones back in, and as you see Frieger suddenly running back into the bus. <laughs> and then uh, we cut to Catherine Nervosa, I don't know if it's it's a day later, yeah. and Roz is going through this point, like, now you got to get to the, make sure the call gets to the point, and you need to turn. Yeah. like, I see. Number 24. She's basically <laughs> coaching. She's, she's got a whole, a whole list of things she needs to fix. So, like, in Frieger's ego is so fragile about one comment, slight comment in the last episode, fucking 24 later, fucking yeah. imagine him must be feeling inside. Like, I see you're glazing over. We'll try this tomorrow. Okay. So he's just sitting by himself and then he sees... Uh, Niles. Then like, Niles, oh, Frieger, how did you have it upon my favourite coffee house? Well, it was just right across from the station. I did my first show day. Oh, so you did. Well, goodbye now. Yeah, he's like, Niles? <laughs> He's not avoiding me. No, it's, I have this routine, you know, I come in so coffee and alone time. Yeah. No, I haven't seen you once in the last two years. Okay, fine. He sits down. Oh, he's like, well, that was your point. Okay. <laughs> he comes in and he, like, he, does, he weeps to see as he does, like, I remember your fourth birthday. That one took us to the carousel. I'll kiss out away while you wipe down your petted pony. <laughs> that <laughs> pony was slick with butler sweat. <laughs> and uh, he already, he already is, like, now there's these typical fancy coffee like like half latte, whisp of foam, and a like whisper of a half foam and a little whisper of cinnamon. I always have a black coffee. See, and this seems to be like yeah. what? Fraser just orders a black coffee. Aye. But like it's just a weird thing, like I I know I noted it down when I was watching because I made one or two notes. Yeah. Because uh, like we have because like we have well we were three episodes so I'm bound to get something mixed up and we did earlier on at the start of this we episode. We did, we definitely did. But the thing is, I noticed I look back at Fraser when he was in Cheers, right? I think he's become more full formed in this show than he was in Cheers, but like oh yeah, yeah. But in Cheers, he was kind of pretentious, and he, especially when he's wearing di- likes of Diane and shit like that. Yeah. And with like Lilith, 
like he seemed like so pretentious and up up himself compared to everyone else. But still, he was there. He would he would sit there and have a beer. He would hang out with the guys, right? Yeah, with Norman Cliff. So he, in some ways, he's kind of you see some sort of between him and Martin in the show. Yeah. So a weird and so it's completely it's really completely different to how he acts a lot when he's when he was all snobby and that. So we see this Fraser from three years ago. It's weird. This is kind of the halfway between Cheers Fraser and Fraser and Fraser. Yeah, where he's not settled back into his inert the circles that he runs in now, and he's just moved back from Boston, where he's kind of like a down to earth guy, but then he hangs out with nails more and becomes more becomes more esteemed. Yes, like okay, I really hope for the day we hope this day come where I can't just appreciate a good cup of coffee. Yeah, and like well, I appreciated dinner with you guys the other night. You and Mary seemed happy together. Oh yes, we have. You know, like puffins, we mate for life. I can't. Imagine being with someone else, and then in the background, a wild Daphne appears. Yeah. And right when Nels looks away, he goes, "Are you done with that?" Yeah, sure. And he hands her like something for the table, and like Nels moves Did back. Did you and... notice the little look he had, though? Who? Nels. And he comes back and he's like, he, he smells. Comes something. back and he stops for a moment. Like, I think he like, smells something because hmm. like he like, always like sneaking up behind Daphne and like sniffing her and shit like that. Yeah. So like, he smells something. Like, so how's Dad? Like, I haven't seen him yet. Like, he's been here been back two. Been telling him a week, you haven't seen him. Like, oh, I don't want like you know what he'll say. Like, oh come on, Dad's that's definitely mellowed since since he got shot. Yeah. But now he made his bump made in hospital in the uh, hospital cry and the man was in a coma. That <laughs> was after he was still in shock. The change came after him. Surely he's such mellow. Ah, oh, the laughs we've shared. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see him for my weekly visit. Come on, come with me tonight. Fine. And geez, the waiter comes over and brings her coffee. Damn, I get I asked for the man for a light whisper of saying he's giving me a full thirty shift. I forgot what a weird little man you are. <laughs> it's always after gun what a weird little man you are. And so they go to see their dad and he's weird. He was very crotchety in this one. Yeah, he's he's selling his chair, like you know to the door. Who is it? Niles and a special guest. Oh god. Right. <laughs> and he's like, Look dad, it's Fraser. I know, like a punk didn't shoot my eyes out. I can see it's Fraser. Oh, where does he come up with these? Mm. He comes in, and he sits there, like, oh, how's the game? Oh, we're losing. Play. The defense is a bum. Yeah, he's a bum. He's a hobo. And he's like, Niles, are you drunk or something? Where does he come up with this? He sits down, and uh, Eddie, Eddie pops out next to Niles and just looks at us. He's like, oh, stop staring at me. <laughs> Oh, will you stop staring at me? <laughs> and then it, his dad goes to get a drink. He's like, you lie. You told me he, he mellowed. Well, it got you here, didn't it? <laughs> and then his dad goes like, what's that, dad? Of course, Fraser. Oh, dad tells you he wants to spend some quality time. He's all get out of your hair. And then he goes, he grabs Eddie. He grabs Eddie and puts him towards Fraser. And he goes, Eddie, this is Fraser. He's the firstborn. The torch hasn't passed. <laughs> <laughs> So it's quite awkward between Fraser and, and uh, his dad. Bas- like, basically, Niles brought him there to get away. I like fucking you can deal with them now. But like, so, uh, I on my show today. Oh, how did it go? And like, he's trying to talk to me. So like, I'll try and find uh, a, a, an opening line that's not too cliche and that he's had tons of tell you back. I'm like, Dad, I'm trying to see the scores. I'm trying to have a good, decent conversation with you. Like, All right, fine, I'm listening. I'm listening. That's it. I'm listening. And that's he goes and looks for a pen and paper and that like. I'm going to dad's a bit of leave to go do any jokes and like, yeah, dad, like I've, I've no... Mar- Martin's basically like disinterested in talking to him uh, very 
you like, know, whatever. Like, and dad, like, like, dad, I haven't seen you in ages, and we can't spend more than 10 minutes together. Like, oh, come on, you don't want to be here either. Like, at least I'm making an effort. Oh, yeah, it's an effort to talk to me. That's not what I mean. Like, oh, come on, you only visit, you only visit Christmas? Oh, not last year, you went to Arubula. Or wherever that is. Yeah. You're like, well, you didn't, you didn't visit that much after mom died. Yeah, he's like, Dad, you're painting a very bleak picture. I've always made an effort to come here. I've been very busy. I've been very busy. Yeah, I noticed how much more busy you got once your mom died. And you see Fraser almost, like, tears up, almost. Like, you yeah. see him, like, very upset. And, but like, Mar- Martin is very cutting in this episode. I think his dad can't realize, he's like, uh, but, you know, I didn't make much effort to come see you in Boston either, did I? Yeah. Like, she's just be like, uh, like, we both don't want to be here. Like, she's like, no, we'll sit down and have an actual conversation. Yeah, like, the point is I'm here and I want to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And it really just shows how much their father came in just a few years. We talked about how, especially in the first season, but as well in the second season, yeah. how their dynamic and how their relationship developed. And it's good to see an example of how far they've come. Oh, yeah, because in that, in this flashback, mm-hmm. they're basically like, they're basically like strangers. Yeah, definitely. You know? Mm-hmm. And so Fraser sits down there just having this awkward conversation about rain. I forgot how much of rain's here. And uh, you get used to Where it. Where would you be without rain? <laughs> Then we see we cut back to present day and Fraser like obviously fell asleep listening to the tape and we can see Eddie like, staring at me like ah, you think the novelty will have worn off by now and he starts he's uncharacteristically nice to Eddie for a change, you yeah. know. And then Martin and Niles come in like, Oh, we wanted to take him out for dinner to celebrate his third year anniversary. Like, he's like, Dad, you how did you know? Like, Oh the woman have called in today. Listen to my show. I listen I was listening to the game, I fell asleep, and I woke up, and I listened to you for a full ten minutes. Before it does back off. <laughs> I'll take it. And then uh, Daphne, they invite Daphne out, but she's like, oh no, like... Well, I, I'll, I'll cut you slightly, he goes, fake praise, but I'll take it. <laughs> Daphne comes back in, like, they invite her, like, no, I'm going to decide where, uh, she's going to decide where she's going for her holiday. So they, they go, and like, he tells them, hold the elevator. And then Fraser just goes, Daphne, why don't you take an extra week off so you can go visit your family and go on holiday? Yeah, I mean, he's talking about how he realizes like the importance of family. Like, and sometimes after you spend some time with your family, you need a week in Acapulco. <laughs> and uh, talk about how like, you can go and like your how important family is and all that. Yeah. And like he's, here, his dad goes, "Come on, I got acid burn a hole in my stomach." <laughs> but you know, could you do me a favor? Could you leave those Acapulco brochures up for me? <laughs> and then in the credits, we get the typical uh, at the end of every season, like. A list through of all the yeah, guests. Yeah, a list through of all the like Billy Crystal, David Duchovny, Billy Barty, really Re- uh, Re- uh, Jodie Foster, Jodie Foster, Carrie uh, Fisher, Carrie Fisher, lots of really good names. Really notable you know, names. Really Otter. Yeah, uh, Jerry Orbach. 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 Eric Idle, who we talked about in Monty yeah, Python last yeah, week. Very true. There's a tie-in, people. <laughs> you know, it's all connected, people. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, it was. I must say, like. Having reviewed the episode we reviewed beforehand, mm-hmm. it's so it's so heartwarming to actually see that side of Fraser, mm-hmm. as opposed to neurotic freak Fraser. I think I put this on the same category as of a feel good like season fan, much like last year's one was when he was telling everybody with their problems. Yeah, yeah. Still, you talked about Dark Victory. Yeah, yeah. My coffee with nails is still my favorite. Season finale so far, oh, maybe, most, maybe most ever. Definitely, most definitely. But it's, a, it's nothing to take away from this. Would you give this a single thumbs up, or what would you give it? Is this a thumbs up for you? Or oh, this is definitely a th- thumbs up for me. I think this is like, I think this is kind of like a meh and a meh. 
I would say so because I was tempted to give it a double thumbs up because with the whole flashback element and seeing how far yeah. Frasier's come in, in this season, the like in the show reason, itself. The only reason I give it a thumb and a half is because there is better episodes in the season for me. Yeah. But it's a solid episode. It's a nice side of Frasier's character. Yeah, I mean, I would say, but my God, now that shows how far he's come as all yeah. well. In maybe a better way. Like but, you, you but, see a lot of Fraser's vulnerability in this episode. Mm-hmm, you know, definitely. I, I definitely agree with this. Summer. So we've been unanimous in these last three episodes. Yeah. But before we go, Paul, we need to talk about season three itself. Oh, definitely. What are your thoughts on the? Because I was slightly trepidatious about one or two episodes, <laughs> but overall, I was kind of excited to start season three. Yeah. Because I don't know if I was. Well, as, I mean, as... season three, you had a lot of issue with season three in regards to, like, certain things like Kate Costas and... Yeah, that was only for a few episodes in the first third or so of the season, so... Yeah. As soon as she was out of it, things seemed to, like, I was fine. Well, you were forward. fine. I didn't have as much of an issue with Kate as you did. I, I liked Kate. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought she brought a good thing to the show, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed episodes like Crane versus Kate Crane. Yeah. Uh, like this last episode, Fraser Grinch probably Fraser the Grinch. best Christmas special you they know, ever did. Fight me! It was it was a it was a very strong season. Something I'll say I'll try to take a takeaway from like most seasons. Like and the first one, and the first season, my main takeaway was the relationship with Fraser and his dad was the central focus. And then I can kind of continue in season two, but then I pointed out how we saw a lot more episode center in the relationship between Fraser and Niles' brothers, yeah. which will continue throughout the show. And this this one, season is more focused on Fraser as a person. Yeah, but I also point in this season, Niles comes into his own more than he has in the first two seasons, and this in this season because he has the storyline of his separation from Maris, and he has that episode the last time I saw Maris, and that whole episode that was a really good episode. Yeah. Uh, well, I the Moon Dance episode was a completely Niles centric Fraser completely took a complete step back because Kilogram was direct in that episode. Yeah. So and we, so we, was... we saw Jan Lee's beautiful legs in that episode. <laughs> yeah. But like Like, like seriously, she, she's never looked cuter. Yeah. But like there are episodes where Niles is the focus but Fraser's always there trying to be a voice and you're trying to help him give advice. This is when Fraser was completely step back and it was all Niles. All Niles, yeah. So that's a big takeaway, and that's a real because like the more nails, the better I think, because nails, I uh, love nails him. is your guy. Aye. So I would say, I'll try to think. This is a really strong season. I like this more than season two. I'd probably say. Well, yeah, that, it that, has its it has its negative episodes as most seasons will yeah. do. But like for the first three seasons, and I think this is where you're going. It goes from strength to strength to strength. Yes. You know, it builds solidly. Uh-huh. And I think we get the same. I personally think we get the same with season four. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a solid build. That's why Frasier in itself was so successful. Yeah, I think season four maybe about five. We'll see more from Niles that we've seen in this one because the whole Maris saga continues. Yeah, and we'll also get one of my particular favorite episodes in season four, which is Ham Radio. Remind me the one where Frasier does the the. He reenacts the first ever oh, broadcast. That is Ham Radio. I love that one. That is a great episode. That is a great episode. And the fins and spinnies. <laughs> Rumping with my school chums. Chums and the fins and spinnies. Just then, 
the bullet shot his head clean off. <laughs> and so died last. I remember the first ever family. Hello, I'm the ice cream man. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into a bloodbath. Studio Five. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so there's a little preview for you. I would say I'm not saying season two is a bad season by any, by any means, but Just I think third season's better. <laughs> I'd say so, but like so far the past few seasons, it goes season two, season three, and then at the top still season one. And and part of that is to do with episodes like the camping episode and the uh, coffee with Niles, and also the uh, you're on the cr- cr- you're on the crane with Fraser Air <laughs> episode. <laughs> Like, especially, like, the last, like, the end in season one had a weird streak of really good episodes one after the other. Frasier, do you see trails? Whoa, wasn't doing that before. It's one of those ones where at the end of season it was good episode after good episode after good episode. It had that yeah. weird run. Always finished strongly. Aye. Like, Cause uh, wait, what did we have? The finish, ep- the last, the penultimate, ep- well, the last episodes on the first two seasons, My Coffee with Niles, mm-hmm. Dark Victory, uh-huh. You can go home again. Yeah. All fantastically All, good episodes. Always has a strong finish in the early seasons, you can definitely say. Oh, damn right, damn mm-hmm. right. Like, season five is one of the weirder uh, season five, because I believe that's almost a weird cliffhanger ending. Yeah, with them all getting stacked. Yeah. And it's one of the few times, it's one of the first times I think a storyline continues from one season into the next yeah. as well. But we'll cover that bridge when we, we come to it. We'll cover that when we get there. So, I hope you were patient enough to sit through all our wrestling rambling to wait for us to finally get to Frasier, but hopefully you weren't too offended by our thoughts on Frasier and that and hopefully you agree hopefully with Hopefully not, because I, I hope I do hope that we we are we aren't overly pushy with our opinion. We just offer our, our viewpoint. Mm-hmm, you definitely. know? We are we are open to other people's viewpoint. This is just our personal mm-hmm. thing, you know. Yeah. And hopefully you'll Tune in next week to hear our episode, first ever edition of In Your Gaff, where we talk about In Your House, the very first one, and Adam Bomb. Uh, Adam Bomb, <laughs> and our predictions for Survivor Series and talking about the build. The too. Fiend will win everything. <laughs> and yeah. how we'll hear, you'll hear basically an insight into our strategy how we will crush rogue opinions. We will. That, that, sorry, that light flicker that creature said. We mentioned the Fiend, he's going to appear. Just, uh, no that one. was freaky, that, wasn't that it? That was freaky. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned the Fiend and the light flickers. You behave, Bray. Oh, sorry, there's a mirror over there. Say, say the fiend three times in the mirror. See what happens. Say the fiend three times and he turns up and gives you an ice cream. And then he jams it down your throat with a manable claw. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Funhouse Bray turns up and gives you an ice cream <laughs> and lets you punch Ramble and Rabbit in the nuts. But, well, that's all to come next week. And again, here's open. we don't have to talk about fucking heroes of wrestling. We won. It fills me so much with dread the closer we get to Survivor Series. It just fills me with such dread, man, I'm telling you. But we step into this knowing we're going to win. We will We will cross that that burning bridge when we come to it, hopefully filled with alcohol. Yes. But Rus- in the meantime, Rusev crush. In the meantime, you can like us, like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash round podcast. Follow us onto our ISB, as I mentioned earlier, and you can get me at Skullcoin1996. All the links to the Android podcast sites that were available on are on those social media sites like Anchor, Spotify, Podbean, yeah. iTunes, Google. I may have said iTunes twice. You said iTunes. Did I? Well, iTunes. Try <laughs> iTunes. If there isn't one, start it and then pass on it. Yeah. Cool. 
Woo! <laughs> and I don't think there's really much else I can no. I can really say. Tis, tis your choice. My it? choice this week, was Okay then, Paul. What just? And I I I I will throw a little bit of curveball here. All right. And you may be happily surprised, may not be. All right. But since we have come to the end of our season three. Mm-hmm. I would like to pick the Thrasher theme song for the, for the tune this week. You know what? I, I wouldn't be against that. That is what I would like to pick. Yeah. So that is going to be my pick. No, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. I can't Toss find any fault. Toss and scrambled eggs. Oh, yeah. I think we might, which in the new year we may be hearing more of this if these reports are to be believed. That very true. And knows? Kelsey, I, I very much doubt that you listen to our show, but for the love of God, don't Fuck it up. You know, if he was listening, if he was listening, he probably turned it off after we were giving him shit during the the folks group bit. Well, we were giving Fraser shit, not Kelsey. Yeah, no, but you never know. But until next time, and until Survivor Series, where we, we as I said, I've said multiple times, we go to war. Because uh, I, I I enjoyed taking the piss out of the guy. I did. We had yeah. some trash talk. I did a podcast with the guys the other day. We did some trash talk. Uh, Nathan does like. There's very different, like, many, like, series on Rogue Pains as well as just one-off shows. Yeah. And we, uh... But Nathan does one with his pal Ben called the Naked Men Podcast. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> daft name. But they talk about these a random subject every week and they go off in tangents. And also, yeah. they say, but, oh, we planned on this, but we ended up doing this. And I joked the other day, went, ah, yes, the Naked Men Podcast. Just a poor man, Scott and Paul's rambling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is the ultimate insult, to be honest with you. Yes. We are superior. <laughs> yeah. And we will prove it. That's how our series. We fucking will. Until then, go everyone and enjoy the Fraser theme song. See ya. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Oh my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Frazier has.